Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of The Snapshot. We're your hosts. My name is Brendan Patrick, and I'm joined by none other than Marvel Snap Phenom, KM Best. The Snapshot is a Marvel Snap podcast focused on the competitive side of the game. For episode 21, we're joined by Lambie Series for an absolute Thanos masterclass. Let's get into it. We are joined by Lambi Series, uh, former Hearthstone Grandmaster, uh, elite Thanos gamer, and one of the people that I trust the most when it comes to knowing what to play and how to improve my own game. I think uh, my game has benefited a lot from being friends with Lambi Series, from being able to run things by him and generally scrim against him in some cases. That has generally made me a much, much better player. He's someone who has a great perspective on the game, and I think the most unique place his perspective can show you is his perspective on snapping is, I think, probably the level up moment for more people than basically anything. else. Like in terms of what I have heard in terms of feedback, what I have learned from him talking about snapping the I guess I would say the. Control and accurate assessment of what a game actually is. I think Lambie Series represents that in a truly remarkable way, like in the way a poker pro would in terms of you have to pay to stay in here with me because I'm on my 50%. Like I'm above 50%, you're paying to stay in here with me. And that attitude is something that's incredibly important to learn, If you, especially if you want to play tournament. Mode. So yeah. Lambie, welcome to the pod. Hey guys, what's up? I think that intro did me a lot of justice. Yes, thank you so much for having me on the pod today. Very uh, glad to be here with Brandon and KM. Yeah, KM and I got to know each other a lot more during the last few months when I started doing uh, Marvel Snap streaming content. And yeah, so really excited to be here. Hope I can be uh, share some of my insight with you guys. Hope that well, what, you, what you learn from this podcast will be um, good for you. Help you improve your game. Yeah. Yeah, speaking to that that snap strategy and being on a different level, I've uh, I've sat on the other side of it, and it's it's pretty frustrating. I would describe it as deep water. It just like it feels like you're getting snapped at literally the most inconvenient times all the time as you progress through a battle mode with Lambie. Um, I went back and watched the stream actually, where Lambie whooped my ass, uh, and I remember just saying, you know, the turn one mindstone snap. I'm like, bro, how do you snap that? Like, I'm like, I couldn't believe it, and of course, just perfectly executed um almost it was almost a 10-0 to be honest it was almost a 10-0 in the battle mode um we're on seven yeah it was close i i got one lucky game we're i think we're gonna run it back tomorrow as of this recording recording on friday is another turn another tournament on saturday um but yeah lambie so i think in marvel snap you're known for a lot of things but one thing in particular when i think of thanos the first person i think of is you what is it about thanos that is like that you've sort of attached to what do you like about the deck do you act do you think it's the best deck why do you play it so much etc just tell me why you're infatuated with this card in particular all right so um story time i contrary to popular belief i was actually 100 percent non-believer of thanos at the start because okay so i i come from a card game background i think some of you guys who listen to this also come from a card game background uh uh marvel snap deck has 12 cards Thanos has 18 cards. So in my head, the first thing is, why the heck would I want to play six extra cards and make my deck worse, right? That's my initial thought. But like the more I play the deck, the more I realize, hey, these cards replace themselves. They draw cards. They get through your deck so quick and 
a lot of the time, I'm drawing more cards and getting through my deck so much faster than like a normal 12-card deck would. So that's one thing that I really like about Thanos, which it, it thins your deck super quickly by drawing a lot of cards with the stones. And on that note, regarding the stones, the stones are likely to be the most flexible thing that is ever introduced into Marvel Snap, like thus far, mm-hmm. right? Like every stone has... Firstly, they draw cards outside of the Power Stone. Secondly, each has a very unique effect, which is literally a better version of cards that you already play in your deck. Like, uh, Reality Stone is Scarlet Witch, which is, like, some people play that card. Um, Time Stone is Psylocke. Uh, Blue Stone... Shit, what's the name of Blue Stone? Space Stone! Woke. Space Stone is Woke. literally every move card. Like, so it's one cost versions of good cards that you would already play in your deck, right? So why would I want to play a cheaper version of good cards, right? So that's one other thing that makes me very infatuated with Thanos. And the last thing that gets me super like crazy about Thanos is it's endless deck building possibilities. Mm. Because you are building a deck with like tons of mobility, flexibility, ramp. Uh, like reality stone kind of stuff, soul stone kind of stuff, like all these cheap effects go into so many different like decks, right? You can build it from a lockjaw angle, which is what I'm most known for. You can build it from a lane lock angle, Professor X, Spider-Man. You can build it from a ongoing blue marble onslaught GG kind of angle. So like you can do so many things with Thanos and like when more cards are released into the game, you will very likely find new use cases for Thanos as well. So yeah, those are the main reasons why I love the deck. So I hear that pitch and I'm just like, I'm sold, but there's some critiques of the deck, right? Like the deck, there's a reason why I think that you're so known with it, right? Not a lot of people play Thanos. They used to. It used to be the best deck by far and you know everybody's playing Thanos, but people have come off of Thanos. I think one of the critiques of the deck is that people view it as high variance. Okay, first critique is probably it's a little bit harder to play than general decks in Marvel Snap. Mm-hmm. You have a little bit more domain knowledge. There's a lot more decisions to make. And I think you get punished for making the wrong decision more often. But let's do the main critique. Some people would say that Thanos is a bit higher variance, especially the Lockjaw version than some other decks. Do you find that to not to be true? Because I find in a lot, I also have a bit of a card gaming background. I find that there mm-hmm. are these decks sometimes that, you know, the general populace of players will look at it and be like, that's high variance. It's a bad deck. You have to high roll with it, et cetera. But then there's these, there's this group of players, this one player that just takes that deck and has success, success after success after success. So what do you, what do you say to that critique of Thanos? And do you think it's true? Okay, so this is quite interesting. The thing about high variance, which it means that like high risk, high reward, correct? So mm-hmm. if you're going to bring something that has high risk, high reward, you got to know when you need to make these high risk plays. Like, okay, so people do say that Lockjaw is high rolling. Yes, 100%. When I win with Lockjaw, I never say that it's zero luck. It's for sure some luck. You for sure need some luck to win with Lockjaw. But at the same time, you need to know when you can abuse this luck, when you can put your position, put yourself in positions to benefit from this luck you know like so um i honestly think that the way you play thanos lockjaw is very representative of how you like snap in general because like with thanos with lockjaw your deck does a lot of good stuff when you get the lockjaw when you don't obviously well shit happens you 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 don't really win some games like that but the thing about thanos lockjaw is that you don't try to win every game, which is the main point of the deck. You don't try to win every game. You try to win the games which with, with good hands, win it hard. The games that you don't get the good hands, well, that's discipline, leaving, right? So Marvel Snap rewards running away from your problems. <laughs> okay, no, just kidding. Marvel Snap rewards are not trying to win every game, which is very, very important. So I think identifying such scenarios with... The Thanos Lockjaw deck, for example, is the main reason why I'm winning so much. Mm-hmm. Right. Jumping off of that, I think that 
that's actually when I talk about like the biggest thing people can learn from you, that's it. Like mm-hmm. when I talked about that in the intro, that is the specific thing, which is understand when you are advantaged. And Thanos, I think you talk about Thanos and it's like, OK, is this actually a deck that it's hard to understand when you're advantaged? Because the answer is no, it's not. You draw mm-hmm. Mind Stone, you draw Lockjaw. If you're not snapping on that, you shouldn't be playing Thanos. Like that's how the deck works. It's actually the easiest deck in the game to learn how to identify your snap patterns with, probably because it's so binary. You don't care what they're doing. What are, what are the, what do I care what they're doing? I have this stuff. If I am not snapping this hand, I shouldn't be playing this deck. And I think most of the other people who play this deck have come to the conclusion. I shouldn't be playing this deck because they're not snapping those hands and you, you keep snapping those hands. You keep playing this deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right there because like I, I like to use poker example here to um explain this like on my streams a lot, which is like if you are in a casino, you're like um for example, if you're in a casino and you are just like playing cash games and you're not inexperienced and you just want to play tight to win the the games that you can win. So most people that do that, they play they play premium hands. They just play like the kings, the queens, the aces. Thanos Lockjaw is effectively just that. You you win hard and try to win your best with the good hands. And when you have the bad hands, you just wait for them to snap you and like, oh, it's time to leave, you know? And and it's very easy to like forget that this deck is not like every other Marvel snap deck whereby you need to curve one, two, three, four, five. This deck is literally you can do nothing and then lockjaw, bam, wasp into dinosaur, GG, right? So so this deck is a bit different. It's a bit different. Like you don't just snap. Extremely. You don't just like, yeah, I, I think you guys get a point. It's a bit different. It's a bit more variance, yes, but it's also about like playing premiums. Always play your premiums. Right. Mm. Like I, I think Thanos is one of the best decks to play to get better at Marvel Snap. Yes. Because A, there's so much to think about every game and you'll train yourself to actually count, hopefully. Unless you're me. Hmm. In which case you won't count and you'll just play stuff. Oh, I don't count as well sometimes. Uh, <laughs> it's so easy to not count, <laughs> It just dude. happens. It's so easy. You're just like, this looks fine and then you lose by one point point. you're like, damn, yeah. I really should have counted. <laughs> but like, uh, it's such a good deck for getting used to that mentality. Mm-hmm. Because you are so clearly advantaged when, the, when you are advantaged that you're going to feel like an idiot if you don't snap before it. And it's like you just it, it, it's a deck for getting used to being OK with snapping and losing. Mm-hmm. Now, like Thanos players will snap on me all the time when they turn one Mind Stone now. Right. And it's like, you know what? Instead of just being like, haha, you're an idiot for snapping. It's like, no, dude, if I win that game, you still made the correct snap mm-hmm. like, yes. that you're still supposed to be doing that. You should be playing another deck if you're not doing that. So getting used to snapping and losing is, I think, a mental hurdle for a lot of people. Correct. And Thanos is one great way to overcome. Yep. It's totally uh, true. Yeah, if you're if you're not snapping those hands, you're not snapping any hands. Uh, I have a kind of a funny question that's definitely a mood point in Marvel Snap, but I think a lot of players look at Snap like this, despite the snapping system and cube system being a thing. Uh, but would you play Thanos if Marvel Snap had a sort of binary win-loss system in its matchmaking? Or do you think that because you're able to leverage um, leverage the cube system and sort of win more when you do have those winning hands, that allows a deck like this, which could be critiqued as being higher variance, to sort of thrive? Yeah, so I believe it's the secondary option whereby it's because Marvel Snap has this system whereby I can run with bad hands very often. I'm very inclined to play something with a very high 
I wouldn't say very high, high roll potential, but higher, high roll potential, you know, because like I can very easily not play. I can fold the hands that are not playable and I can try to win very hard with the hands that are playable to good. So yes, it's actually Marvel Snap uh, system incentivizes me to play such decks. And I think it's a greatly overlooked thing whereby everyone thinks that, oh, if I have, if I can play a card every turn and just play like one, two, three, four, five, six energy, I'm going to win, right? But the thing is, it's not the case, right? Marvel Snap rewards you for playing good hands and running away with bad hands. So if I have good hands that scale higher than you, I will play those hands. And if I don't, I just run. So yeah, it, Marvel Snap really does in incentivize playing like such variance related decks for sure. Mm. Do you think that some yeah, people I, are approaching? Sorry, Kate, approaching Marvel Snap no, the wrong way? I was just way? gonna say like if, if if snaps didn't exist, I'd probably be playing Spider Man decks every game. Yeah, same, same. Yeah, I was about but, to say that. <laughs> I would play the most like. Just that kind of like you can't do anything that if I yeah uh, if snaps didn't exist exist. So I actually anyway. I'm kind of into those Spider-Man decks anyway. But like if snaps <laughs> didn't exist, oh my god, they'd be the most obvious thing to play. Yeah, man. Do you think people are um, approaching Marvel Snap the wrong way when it comes to deck building by maybe bringing in preconceived notions from other games and choosing to play more consistent decks rather than decks that um, have a chance to win more, you know, get eight cubes, get four cubes, surprise the opponents. Do you think that the sort of the low variance, um, just like all around good deck that consistently does a thing, maybe is a lower power level is a bit of a trap in a game like Snap? Should you be going for these these high roll potentials? I want to say I want to say yes, but I also can't really say yes, because it also depends on the meta, right? Like if the power level of consistent decks is like just way higher than okay, I got an example: Mister Negative versus like good stuffs deck. Like like in the in the previous time there was like the the Scorpion Lizard Polaris Thor Maximus good stuffs deck with with like leader, right? Like that deck is just curved, very consistent. But like, why is no one playing Mister Negative over deck to higher roll? Because Mister Negative is way more inconsistent than like the just generic good stuffs curve deck. Right, so like it really depends on the meta. It really also depends on like how like big the power gap it is between those high rolly decks and the consistent decks. So there's no definite answer, but I feel like when it comes to Thanos, so far in the last few months, there hasn't been a situation whereby I cannot play like a high variance deck in Thanos and like win. You know. Mm. Yeah. All right. So Lambie, we started. Uh, we started incorporating our cat. Right, go ahead. Can I, I, I really want to jump in on this. I know we're going to move on from Thanos, but I really want to jump in on this because right. this is something I am personally interested in okay. because I just bought Flaviano Thanos. Mm. <laughs> okay. so I need to play a lot more Thanos, right? If you had to give someone like me advice on playing Thanos, what would that advice be? Understanding that like I, I get the snap stuff already kind of okay. like if you needed to give me advice on it, especially in the context of the annoyance that comes with playing a high roll deck into bots, which is just like the most annoying thing in the world. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, what what advice would you give for someone like me? I would describe myself as an intermediate Thanos gamer. How would I move to advance? Hmm. Okay, I feel... Okay, for you, are we talking about like from a content creator angle or like just No, no, no. From, to be good. I want to, oh, be to be better, better to be better yeah. at Thanos. Like if I'm like an intermediate Thanos player, I get when I'm supposed to snap and retreat. Mm -hmm. What do I, what is the difference between someone who gets that and you? Okay. So this one is for, actually, I think this advice works for like Thanos and also other like decks with variants in general, which is, I think 
one benefit that I have coming into Snap from like way lots of other card games, I've played card games for like my whole life. Like the biggest benefit is that I think I'm really good at seeing the end game. No pun intended, but <laughs> I'm actually really quite good at seeing the end game, which is... Okay, so this is the easy part for Marvel Snap for me, which is the macro. Um, Like in other games, you need to see like maybe like 10 turns, 20 turns ahead, like to plan out a macro game plan, right? Marvel Snap, there's no such thing. You just need to see six turns ahead, man. There's only six turns. So like if you can consistently like think about what will happen in the next three, four turns um, with your deck, you will generally be able to know if even Lockjaw plus Stone is good enough to stay. So I think about this, this a lot because there are certain situations whereby I have Lockjaw, I have Mindstone, I snap. By turn four, I'm gone because like I know I'm not going to be able to win this even if I high roll. So with a high roll deck, a variance deck like Lockjaw, you really need to be able to see where your potential turn six is going to like end up like it's really difficult but for me because i really came from like like other card games where i need to plan so many turns ahead being able to plan like just three or four turns ahead with in our snap is not that difficult so like on my stream sometimes people see me leave like with lockjaw and mindstone like i leave even if i like have lockjaw and mindstone because like i know that like these locations don't don't do me any justice even if i high roll a dinosaur on the left this sarah deck's gonna enchantress me eventually so like I see this early and then I don't let myself succumb to, oh, I have Lockjaw, I'm going to stay till the end, right? So that kind of thing. I think this is the other thing, like all Thanos advice ends up in the same spot, which is don't, I'm going to, I'm going to quote a rap song here. I don't sure. know how many people are going to be able to pick this one up. Don't let your ego trick your ass. Don't get married to I snapped so I got to stay in or they'll think I'm an idiot. Don't, Shit, I don't do know. that. Like every it, it it's a very obscure song, honestly. <laughs> like okay. every I have no fucking idea, man. Every every song, every Thanos piece of Thanos advice is like, look, you have to be playing this aggressively, and you play it aggressively, and you do that, and you have to accept that you will be wrong and have egg on your face. Correct. You just mm -hmm. gotta live with it. And if Correct. you can't live with it, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen, right? Like that's what oh, it yeah. is. I forgot whether it was Brandon or KM that said it just now, but like, uh, I want you guys said something, and I wanted to add on, but I'll add it on now, which is like, in my Marvel Snap like like journey so far, I think the amount of times I lose two cubes is like way more than the average player. I lose so many two cube games, which is because I snap early. But like KM said, ego is a thing, right? Like it doesn't mean that you snap early means you cannot leave. There's no such thing. Like you can snap mm -hmm. early because you are confident and then two turns later, you suddenly feel you are not confident anymore. So leave, right? Like if you let ego like make you stay, you're going to lose four instead of two. And over a long period of time, losing four instead of two is like 200% increase of how much you could lose. So like don't let your ego get in the way. Really mm -hmm. don't. My favorite thing about the intermediate to advanced Thanos advice is that it's it's really just intermediate to advanced Marvel Snap advice, right? Being Correct. able to perceive That's your, Thanos. Yeah, being able to perceive your macro game thing. plan, adjust accordingly, snapping correctly, right? We talk about snapping a lot on this podcast, but most specifically, we talk about snapping when you perceive advantage over your opponent at any point in the game. Correct. So even before the flip of the third location, you're basically just forcing your opponent to enter a new game where they pay an additional ante to play a game where you you think that you're fundamentally ahead. That might change, right? You might be losing the two cubes, but it's a lot better yes. than this sort of, especially if you're in ladder, I think. Like in ladder, 
one of the most painful things I think that people can run into is where they're getting just one cube consistently a game. You know, they're doing that slow climb and then they lose the one eight cube where they did the math wrong. And that that's what happens when you take that conservative approach and you only snap when you're 100% sure you're going to win. And I think it's one of the biggest traps you can make in this game. Yes. Yeah, this is this is this is why I, I like I want to drill down on this stuff because I don't know whether it's you're good at Thanos because you're good at card games or because you're good at card games, you end up being better at Thanos, right? Like he mm-hmm. makes you playing this deck makes you better at Marvel Snap, and also the better you are at Marvel Snap, the better you're gonna play. Yeah. Yeah, it probably works in tandem, like like you said. Also, um, with the whole ladder thing, I think one advice that I can really give to players that want to climb and one thing that's really like underlooked is the the whole, like I think Brendan mentioned something about it just now, which is like, if you're not snapping, if you're not losing, if you're not losing two cubes enough, you're actually not really snapping enough. Also, uh, losing two cubes because you snapped and losing two cubes because they snapped is two very different things. Like a lot of people, they stay in when your opponent snaps to do this thing whereby I call it the just to see what happens, stay. Like like it's it's a trap. It's the biggest trap ever. Like the I think we all can relate. Stay. Is the content stay or like on ladder? It's the like I don't know what they have. I just want to see what happens. Stay, which is the biggest trap ever because over a big sample size, staying just cause you want to see what happens and not actually cause you have a game plan. It's gonna lose you that one extra cube, that one extra cube, and over like a few hours, it's gonna lose you twenty extra cubes. And then you go on Twitter and tell people that I don't know why I cannot win with this deck. Oh my god! <laughs> but like you're staying twenty times more than every time you should have left. Right? You're staying in twenty more games where you have left. You should have left. So like, come on. You you have yourself to blame. Mm. That, yeah, the whole the whole retreat mechanic is super interesting. Uh, this is kind of a tangent, but I have to call back to it because there was recently a video of Ben Brode talking at some developer context uh, uh, conference. I think it was GDC, but he said that Marvel Snap is not a sum zero game because you don't lose, right? You retreat and a retreat yes. is a, is a little win. So what I thought was funny about that paradigm is the way when you phrase it the first time, you hear it and you're like, yes, that's correct. But I also wonder if my Marvel Snap. Right. When you lose, you might not lose as hard. But when you win, do you also not win as hard? Because there's plenty of games. And anybody who plays Marvel Snap, I think, has encountered this, where they would be, you'd be in for a thousand cubes, right? You've done all the work. You're on turn six. You 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 infinitely snap. And then your opponent leaves. I would argue that those don't feel like wins either. So I, I don't know. It's just a funny thing. I wonder if I wonder if you guys agree with that. If Marvel Snap is not zero sum because you retreat and it feels good to retreat and retreating feels like a win, or do wins also not feel as good? And do we have this weird paradigm? Just a little thought that creeped into my head. Maybe maybe Ben Bro left that part out on purpose because <laughs> I I, I kind of do agree with you. Like when I set it up perfectly and they leave, I'm like, oh man, because like, I know I win for sure, right? But they leave. But I mean, it's just just the way the game is. Like you also can say that like oh because I made a good retreat, so they don't get the benefit from my uh, from the setup as well. So I think it's both ways. Yeah, definitely <laughs> both ways. Yeah. All right. Well, Lambie, we we started adding our guests into our news section, our question section, and everything. So we're just going to run through some of the stuff that happened last week because there's a there's a sure. lot. So first off, Kitty Pride is re-released. Um, let's just start with that. What what effect did that have on the meta? Did it fundamentally change sort of the landscape? And is are the Kitty Pride bounce decks the best decks around right now? All right. So um, 
personally, I have played against a lot of Kitty Pride decks, but I've been I haven't played a lot of Kitty Pride decks. I played against a lot of Kitty Pride decks, and I feel like because we have the new wave in the meta right now, she's not as domineering or dominating as she could be. Because the new wave is like the law, right? Like the moment you play wave, as long as you don't have somehow like eight energy, you cannot you definitely cannot play like two cards on your final turn, only one card. So be, with the new wave being in the game still, uh, I think Kitty Pride is severely, severely like under control. Not to say that bounce decks are not good. I think bounce decks are good, but they are severely hard counted by just that one card and that one card is quite popular right now. Also, I don't think that the Kitty decks are generally generically more consistent than Zabu good stuff stack. I think the Zabu good stuffs, Iron Lad, Rock Slide, Dark Hawk kind of stuff is still more consistent. And mm-hmm. I think that in tournaments will has shown to be wait, I'm not sure, but like I think it has generally done a bit better. Uh, I think so. Yeah. So um I think in general Kitty Pride is coming back to the game, big boost to bounce for sure. But I don't think bounce Kitty Pride, Sarah decks are going to be like at the top of the meta. I think it's just going to be like somewhere there, tier 2, tier 1.5, but like never going to be like the main powerhouse, at least not now, for sure. Mm. And the new wave change, by the way, is uh, the TLDR and is basically like everything is going to cost four. If you play wave on five, yes. the the reductions are not happening after the wave reduction to four, which used to happen with things like Zabu, um, Stature, etc. So people were playing multiple cards when you waved on five. Now you wave people on five, they're consistently, yeah, they're just playing that single card unless they have the extra resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam, your thoughts on Kitty Pride? I think she's got a little bit more room to shine than Lambie does because, you know, yes, those Zabu decks are probably a little bit more consistent, but here's the issue. Do they win the heads up, right? Like, do they win the heads up or how long are they forced to include wave? And do the ones that are forced to include wave win against the ones that are meant built to beat the wave versions, right? So I think my my thing is, I think straight up, the Kitty Pride decks put more power down than the Zabu decks. But the Zabu deck can afford to run wave. So the question then becomes, is there a version of the Zabu deck that beats the version that runs wave and doesn't run wave? Because then people will run that to beat the Zabu deck. And that opens up more space for Kitty Pride, which just puts more points on the board as long as it's Mm -hmm. not like Kitty Pride is this sort of ever present danger where it's just. These decks are going to put so many points on the board. Like right now, they just they go absolutely nuts if you let them like they will just explode. And so it is incumbent on you to either be doing that or be stopping it. Mm-hmm. And I worry what happens, you know, is there a way for this metagame to start cycling? Right. If suddenly everyone is playing wave, no one can play bounce. And then the question is, what can we do that beats the wave stuff? Right. So I think one one thing to shout out here is I know Lambie has been playing Wave in the Iron Patriot list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that is just a remarkably well-positioned list right now. It goes really big and it also plays Wave and bounces making people cut Enchantress and like there's just a bunch of things going in its favor. Yeah. I think for what it's worth, the Iron Patriot deck is really KM's baby. Like he made the deck and like I think it's insanely strong. Um. I'm not a big fan of Patriot in general, but like when I played this deck, like it's just powerful. It's just, it just does powerful things. And the thing is, it's like every man's deck, like everyone can pick this up and win with this deck because it's not like complex, right? It's mm-hmm. relatively easy to play, which is very good. It doesn't have to be a complex deck to be good. A simple deck that wins. Sometimes Wave is really good in this deck because you don't really care if you get waved because your deck, after turn three plays one card a turn, right? So mm-hmm. yep. and it's just power spike, power spike, power spike. So wave doesn't hurt you, and you can run wave yourself to hurt other people. So 
I think it's a perfect wave deck. And yeah, uh, very well positioned deck. And no one's playing Enchantress like you said. So I don't even think people are playing Super Scroll. So no, the deck is like it's just, it's just there. It's all there for the taking for that list. I feel yeah. like where it's just like, oh man, you kind of just beat everything. And if the if the the like, it's really hard to fit Enchantress into that wave deck. Like it's mm-hmm. just hard to get it in there if you're also playing like Wave and Doom and Iron Lad. It gets really tough. That deck, I worry, like the sort of Wobolos mid-range deck, it kind of ends up in this like it might be stretched too thin. Is basically my worry. Mm. Yeah. My question is, can the Wave decks, um, even preemptively in ladder, but maybe in formats like battle mode, can the it's not, not the Wave deck, can the bounce deck play around Wave? Because the thing about Wave on turn five is that it's usually kind of a shit play unless you're doing it with something like Miles Morales and you do Wave plus Miles on five and get those extra stats. Like doing turn five three power um, is not too great. Can the bounce decks like preemptively sort of point slam on turn five uh, yep. in order to play around it? They can. I think it's and definitely that's, possible. That's, I mean, they absolutely can. It's just like that's Kitty specifically can't, but like you go like Kitty, Mysterio, Hitmonkey, and it's like, oh man, I really hope you <laughs> like like there's this really significant interplay between the wave decks and the bounce decks where the more people are playing wave, the more the bounce decks have the ability to play through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just I think I want to add to that, which is that if you know they have wave in their deck and you know that it seems like if you have if you get you get you get a tell whereby they are trying to set up for a turn five wave, it's like the same thing whereby you if you know you're gonna get leeched as a death wave deck, you, you just play your stuff, right? Like especially in deck list, uh, open deck list tournaments, like if you know they have wave, I think a good bounce slash like Kitty or like a Sarah player will like just decide to not play their Sarah and just play their stats on turn five, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if you know they have wave, it's like a lot of the battle won. So it's quite interesting to see like if anyone can pilot such a like bounce kitty deck to the top, like mm-hmm. in tournaments with open deck list. It's it's gonna be different for sure. Yeah. I mean like the bounce decks I think are the ones that are the best at playing through. Yes. In terms of just being able to put an asinine amount of stats on the board. And then mm-hmm. like the next turn they just like play a twelve power kitty or right mm-hmm. like they're, there's yeah. they're best able yeah. to play through wave of all of them yeah, yeah the bounce ones are fine the only one that's difficult for to play through is the, the moon go she hot ones just died to wave that's for sure very so like, bad yeah. into wave also yes. a little bit weirdly vulnerable to killmonger yep that deck is interesting if if i face that deck and someone plays moon girl on four and skips turn five i just fucking leave every time because i mean you're just losing <laughs> to that point slam it's so ridiculous it's like 30-ish power yeah the combo deck yeah i found on i found on ladder and specifically that almost none of my opponents will play around the turn five wave but the one time an opponent did i was like oh well this deck is literally just better than mine they just they just switch yes. up their play <laughs> like yes. it, it, my deck cannot compete i can't play turn five wave it's too low value right i can't put three power on the board and have them have some sort of pseudo top end mm-hmm. curve for turn six and they already point slam 30 points on turn five it's too good it's too good yeah. so oh uh, yeah interesting we're going to see a paradigm shift with people just sort of playing around it in advance if they even perceive it's coming up um lamby so how are the duck released which is a one two that says tap okay. to see the top of your deck cam was singing high praise for this card last week called it uatu um this is obviously <laughs> a pretty popular card on twitter some people are like this is the best card ever other people are like card game fundamentals who has oh no 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 one said that dude so many people you're have said making that, that up <laughs> so nobody people. has said howard the duck is the best card in the game i don't believe you I've seen multiple posts like tagging. I I saw one someone tagged Darrow in multiple posts and was like, 
Look, how the, the duck post. did something. Yeah, and Derek comes out. Like, like that's a different thing. That's a different thing. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> is actually saying how people are saying Howard the Duck is good. Nobody yeah. is saying Howard the Duck is the best card in the game. I refuse okay. to. They're believe. saying it. They're saying it's really good. They're saying it's really good. Do you think this card is good, Lambie? And why or why not? Okay, so I'm gonna my, my my take is strictly personal. None of my opinions represent my employers or KM or Brandon. <laughs> okay, no, but like, okay, no, but but legit, right? Okay, I, I just want to be completely honest because Howard the Duck is likely the most useless card for me personally because it re. Okay, this take represents again, me. This take represents me. Okay, it's the most useless card for me. I'll be completely honest, and no one like take offense or whatever. Okay, it's just me because I am confident in my ability to see the end game. I said this just now already. I don't need a duck. I don't need a duck and one slot in my deck to tell me the end game. I usually know and I will leave before it reaches there or I will win the end game. So like, I don't need the duck. Like personally, it's not something that I will feel good playing my deck because I know I'm cutting one good card to play the duck where I likely don't need the duck because Truth is, I can play a diff most people, so I don't need the duck. That, that's the truth. But like I said, this is my opinion. Yeah. I think the duck... No, like, it, I actually want to dive down on that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, but, like, they, that's, like, that's the it. whole thing, right? Where it's, like, the better you are at this game, the more aware you are of the cards in your deck that you could draw, the more you are already calculating them into your decisions, the more you are already saying, all right, Iron Lad is, like, you know, 80% to hit this thing... Being good at the game is saying, I don't need a duck to do this. I can play the percentages and not waste a card in my deck. Playing those percentages is part of what makes you good. Agreed. I, I, I want to add to that also, which is um, there will be those times that like someone will win with the duck because they saw Jubilee going to pull Infinite off the top. But like most of the time, okay, so Marvel Snap is a 12 card game, right? You likely mm -hmm. know if you will hit the good card or not the one time you don't hit it even go, though you go for the the percentage out it doesn't mean that the duck suddenly becomes the best card ever right it just means that you missed when you took a percentage out but i don't sacrifice the 12 card in my deck for it yeah yep i think that the duck reinforces uh for for some players that are sort of touting the deck or have had good experience with it it's just reinforcing the correct decision that you could have made without the duck right as you correct. built you built right. your deck that's in a the thing way. you're only going to remember when he's good yeah. You're never mm -hmm. going to remember, you're never going to put yourself in a counterfactual where you're like, oh, well, would I have made a different play? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, you see the Jubilee, you know you can play the Jubilee safely, but would you have done that anyway? Like, when you put Jubilee in your deck, don't you put a bunch of good targets for a Jubilee? You put cards in your deck to play them. If you thought the Jubilee was good enough to go in your deck, you should play it. Like, I don't know. Howard is probably fine. I think there's specific the specific use case for Howard is a deck that runs Iron Lad and Jubilee because mm -hmm. knowing that ordering with a Zabu that makes sense. You could actually be like, okay, this is a real use case for Howard. Sure, yeah. I think that's like pretty much it though. Like, yeah, for what it's worth, like there is nothing wrong playing Howard in your deck. It's just that because like my opinion is I don't need it, but if you want to play Howard, no one's stopping you. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, legit. I, mean, I think it's just I, think I don't you need, need to. You need to have a reason to do it. Yeah. And so far, the only compelling reason I found is I am a Zabu deck playing Jubilee and Iron Lad. And, you know, I don't really think Nebula is that good right now. Mm. That's pretty much the reason to play Howard. It's like, I don't really think Nebula is that good right now. Iceman is not that far. Like, it's fine, 
right? So that's pretty much the use case. Yep. And I don't necessarily think that he's bad there. He probably is very good because that deck is. He's an okay card. Yeah. He's just an okay card. Probably not 6,000 tokens. All right. I got a softball for you guys from this, Mm -hmm. this past week. Card acquisition updates. <laughs> All right. So, um, actually, was, not a softball, man. I know. I know. I know. That's why I was joking. So, in the, uh, this is, I'm just going to read some things. In the June 2023 season, two cards will be releasing from series four instead of series five. That's a good thing. Series three mystery cards will be able to be purchased for a thousand collector tokens starting June from the token shop. And then here we go. Introduction. Oh, sorry. Intro of weekend missions first and earn tokens. And then here's the good one. In our upcoming patch, we're dropping more cards to series three than we ever have before. In addition, (laughs) (laughs) some of our more impactful cards are staying at their current series for longer than expected. There are some fun cards in this drop and we hope they inspire inspire you to experiment with new decks all right so there's a little little tidbit in there um i just want to highlight it's that's more impactful cards are going to be staring staying at their series longer than expected good thing or bad thing lambie bad all right I'm going to start first because but, but I don't really have like a lot of opinion on this one because generally, uh, okay, I will a lot on this game. So generally, whatever the game throws at me, I will like just like do what they want me to do for the most part. But, but having said that, I feel like honestly, honestly, um, there is like new level of uncertainty when they make the statement um, like certain cards will drop, certain cards won't based on like I don't know. There's no metric, right? There's no metric on what will drop and what won't. So this new level of uncertainty, I think, is very perplexing to certain players and to actually to many players, right? Because uncertainty is something that you don't want to have, especially when tokens are like um, finite, right? Tokens are definitely finite. So this new level of uncertainty is what I feel might be a problem. But other than that, I think generally some of the changes that they're making, I'm, I'm okay. I just don't like to not know what to expect when it comes to like spending my cash, my money, you know, and some people literally are living the, like with their tokens by literally like by the last token, like they have literally exactly 12K tokens for two cards and like they don't know whether they're going to supposed to spend these 12K tokens or not. So like if you are living by that kind of margin for tokens, I think it's quite scary when there's this level of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the... Major issue with their rollout is twofold. The first is communication. They should have said, look, we know that Darkhawk is a card that people care about and have been waiting for the Series 3 drop. In the future, that would be the kind of card we would keep there, but for now, we're rotating it down, right? Mm-hmm. And if they just say that, I think like probably 75% of people who were mad at this are not mad at this anymore. Uh, I think basically it's just a huge unforced error to intro this change as the change that meant I couldn't buy Darkhawk as opposed to the change that meant I could buy Ghost, right? Like, they just shouldn't have introed it in this manner. Uh, The uncertainty is the other issue, right? Now that people are not sure when tokens are going to be useful, when when is this happening? I get what they were going for. What they were going for was people need a reason to spend their tokens. And Darkhawk is actually the perfect example. If there were players who, instead of buying this Darkhawk, waited until it was free, even though they could have bought it because they thought it would be better value, that is an example of a failure of the system. Mm. A card as strong as Darkhawk is the kind of card, exactly the kind of card that you should be buying from the shop basically consistently. It's that good. 
And the fact that there were people who were, for whatever reason, disincentivized to do that is why they are redoing the system like this. They want to provide different incentives. They want people to be like, oh, that Dark Hawks 3000, I should buy that because it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. I don't know that this is the best way to do that is sort of my fundamental issue. I, have I, th- I don't know that keeping things in series three for indeterminate amounts of time actually helps anybody because all it does is mean that I can't tell anyone to buy it. Mm-hmm. That's what it does. It means I can't tell you you should buy Darkhawk because I mean, I would have, but now I don't know if it's going to be free next month and I don't want to give you bad financial advice. Right. And so it's like, I would have normally like Dark Hawk is a card I had. I actually redid my tier list because of this last month. It was a card I had in the top tier and I had to add a whole new tier of expected to downgrade next month. Mm. Look how well that ended up for me. But like the point is, I would have been able to be like if someone came into my chat and said, do you should I buy Dark Hawk? Normally, I'd be able to say yes. But now it's like, I don't I don't know. It might be free next month. I have, I have literally no idea. And the longer we don't have an idea like the more annoying it's going to be when they pull the rug out. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like you're like, you finally, we finally get enough time to get used to be saying, you know, dark Hawk's a good purchase. And then suddenly it downgrades. You're just like, Oh my God. Like, I think that's the issue is that like, yep. there is no way for me to give anyone advice on what they should buy anymore. There mm. isn't. And I, I don't know. I get why they would want that in a sort of abstract, like playground sense, make everyone make their own decisions. But it's like, this isn't helping people buy Darkhawk. It just makes them mm-hmm. feel bad. Mm. I have a third one to add, which may or may not be completely true. And that's that the way they phrase this, they said impactful, right? And Darkhawk is one a, of the best cards in the game. That's a very weird word. Yeah, Darkhawk is one of the best uh, cards in the game. So it, it would make someone infer that the reasoning behind the staying in Series 4 is because it's good, because it's super playable, and they want to keep it at a higher price and they want me to pay more money for it because they know I'd get it in Series 3. And I think that there is a non-zero uh, difference in this patch versus the last patch in Marvel Snap being more what I like to call soft pay to win. And I think that that yep. really hit a lot of people in the face because they were like, okay, the card, ac- the card acquisition, you know, everybody knows it's rough. People say it's getting better. We're making progress. You know, we are making, we have been making progress. And then boom, this hits you and it's like a big F you. It's like, we are not making progress. The goal is to get you to buy this in a higher series if possible. And it feels like, oh, because it's a good card. And that just takes us to the soft pay to win territory. And I think that really irked a lot of people because it was like, we've been talking about this for months. We've been dealing with you guys. We've been working with you second dinner on this bad card acquisition model. And now it seems like you kind of just, you kind of just pulled the rug out from under us. So yeah, I don't know if that's a hundred percent the case, if that's why it stayed there, et cetera. But I know that that's largely a sentiment that people have shared in, in sort of the negative feedback on this patch. I don't know if they grasp that. I think my personal read is that Dark Hawk stayed in Series 4 because it is a perfect example of the kind of card they want people to buy. And there's not another version of that they could keep in Series 4 to demo this with, right? They want you to be like, I should buy this at 3K, it's a good deal, right? My personal pitch would be let Dark Hawk rotate down use series four indefinite thing for like build arounds kind of thing. Modok, Zabu even is like kind of a proxy for Darkhawk. You don't need to have both of them in series four, right? But like Modok, Zabu, Hitmonkey, Hitty, 
build around cards would be a great thing to stay in series four for a while, because there is some argument that the average series four card is in an extremely technical sense, more accessible than the average series three, because there is no way to targetly acquire series three cards, except for your one free one a month. You get more than one free series four card a month. It's actually like one and a half to two, depending on how you do what you do. Now, the issue is those tokens now are being spent when previously they would be saved for something else. And I think that's, uh, it's sort of hard for me to look at this as a plus for acquisition. You could try to sell me on it, but the fundamental thing is like, no, people have to spend more tokens on different cards now, right? Mm. And I guess I just sort of worry that, not necessarily about soft pay to win, but like just Darkhawk was the wrong card to do it with. Mm. Straight up. Any of these other cards, any other card I would have no problem with. Like Darkhawk specifically crosses that line where you actually do have to start talking about things like pay to win. You actually do have to start talking about things like that because like exciting impact can mean a lot of things. But with Darkhawk, I don't know. I think the issue they have is that people weren't buying it. That's it. I think the issue is like people were just like this card was sitting in series four for two months and people thought it was a better idea to wait till it was free than spend 3000 tokens. And that is an issue. But the reason that's an issue is they don't give you enough goddamn tokens. Mm. That's why it's an issue. And it's an issue because that is a good idea. <laughs> it is a good idea to wait for it to go free and then get right. that. And everybody goes through that, that sort of token economics in this game is like, it's going to rotate down. It's not broken. I don't need to buy it right now at series six to get an advantage over my peers, which unfortunately we do that. That's, that's just part of snap culture at this point is we buy broken right, series like, like, five. <laughs> do you need this card to win games? That is the only time you're actually supposed to buy stuff at this point based on the current economy we're like if you get maybe one series five card a month buying Darkhawk at series three or at series four can make you unable to purchase that and if that series five card is super broken it like they create this paralysis where it's like what happens if high evolutionary is super broken can i still afford to buy iron lad <laughs> i yep. don't know yep that's the discussion. I have no idea. And like, I get that question all the time. And it's like, dog, I wish I could tell you. I wish I had the slightest clue what you were supposed to do in that situation. Because Iron Lad's a great example of a Darkhawk-like card. Mm -hmm. It's just really damn good. Iron Lad is a phenomenal, phenomenal card. But you know what's going to happen is it's going to downgrade at some point, presumably, right? And then it's going to be a worse value than your, than your High Evolutionary. I think there's a really strong chance that Iron Lad ends up better than High Evolution. Mm. Really strong. I could see that. And I, I, I really, I don't know. I, I think it's okay. When I say really strong, I mean like I don't know, sixty percent. Like, <laughs> it's 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 just awkward. It's awkward. It's hard to tell. Yeah, actually, I on that note, I agree that um, Iron Lad has the potential to be way better than High Evolutionary because like. The thing about Iron Lad is it cannot get worse. Like when my, when people mm -hmm. uh, talk to me about Iron Lad in chat, like is it cannot get worse. Like it can only get worse if they stop printing Marvel Snap cards, which is never. They will never stop printing Marvel Snap cards because like every new card gives Iron Lad a potential new use case. Right? It's like potential new use case, not like it definitely will work or not. Whereas High Evolutionary has like a sort of a way to build around like those seven cards, mm -hmm. for example. Whereas for Iron Lad, it's any new card that is released is a potential Iron Lad target. So like. Yeah, I think Iron Lad's ceiling for usefulness is 
higher. So when people ask me this, I always feel like if you want to compare Iron Lad and High Evo, if you have to choose one, I think in the long run, Iron Lad would be able to do more things. Mm-hmm. Iron Lad is the closest thing to Dark Hawk currently in the game, other than Dark Hawk in terms of like Series 5 cards that are really... Yeah, yeah, Series 5 cards. Yeah. It's like Series 5 cards that are just absolutely berserk. Iron Lad is as close. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not Dark Hawk. Dark Hawk is much more flexible, but Iron Lad is just like, that card is just good. <laughs> yeah, the ceiling for Iron Lad is super high. Yeah. Like, it can go it, all the way up, all the way me, down. You reminded me, though, like something people said about Absorbing Man was the ceiling is so high, right? The ceiling is so high because they're never going to, eventually they'll make more honor reveals and one of them might be broken with Absorbing Man, but like, then when you think about Iron Lad versus Absorbing Man, it's like, oh man, that's like the same card, except one of them is way better. Yeah. Yes. Three more power. <laughs> it's like the same, the same card, except one of them is like a million times better. And then you look at yeah. like, man, why is Absorbing Man a 4-3? That's the best thing. <laughs> yeah, Iron Lad is like better stated, plus it doesn't have to do with anything like on reviews, ongoings. It could just be anything. Anything. Be anything. anything. Yes. Yeah. Could even hit your Howard the Duck. Um, I got one. Your Umbaku. <laughs> your, um- your Umbaku. All right. I've got a, I've got one more here for posterity. We can go over quick, but it, it's going to impact everybody, and that's changes to ranked mode. The number of cubes required to rank up has decreased from ten to seven, and the number of bonus ranks gained when tearing up is reduced from uh, is reduced from five ranks to three ranks. Example: in ranking from twenty nine, a player will go to thirty three rather than thirty five. Any thoughts on this? Um, it probably doesn't affect <laughs> affect you guys, but just the its nope. general impact on the on the system. Cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> It's all For the me, same. Like, someone, someone in chat did a complete like um breakdown of how many more cubes I would earn, how many more cubes, how slightly easier it will be, blah blah blah. To me, it's like, oh, okay. I'll tell you. I'll <laughs> tell you what Thanks it is. Thanks for bad letting for. me know. I'll tell you what it is bad for. At the end of every season, I do a bench press challenge with my rank. Oh, uh, okay. That's bad for. It's that's not good. For. I really need to do a little bit more streaming of tournaments, or I'm gonna actually die. Yeah. Well. I'll, I'll tell the people listening that if we sound out of touch because we don't care about these rank changes, it's because rank is fucking broken. <laughs> like it just doesn't, it doesn't work. And there's bot. I mean, it's because we're like rank 200. So like, what do I care about yeah. getting more cubes? Yeah. Bot ELO, <laughs> I've got too many of those anyway, dude. Body low asymmetric climbs, etc. Like that needs to be fixed first. They can, they can make that system whatever it wants, but it's just, it's still broken right now. Conquest mode can't come soon enough. Um, yeah. Yes. So that's it for the news. I want to kind of circle back and focus on Lambie just a little bit. Maybe should have been, uh, right. maybe should have done this at the start, but we have this, we have the bend and snap section. This is from a, a movie called Legally Blonde back in the day. Not sure if you, if you were, if you got to witness what that. Year, what year did Legally Blonde come out? It had to be I early just, like, 2000s. Yeah, I really want to know. Had to be. Okay, so I, it came I out in 2001. The... It came out in I've 2001. I've heard of it, but I've never watched it. Okay, okay. So, oh, yeah, I, I can't believe that. This is the bend and snap. <laughs> I've never um, watched it. So you mentioned you had a card gaming background. Can you just dive a little bit yeah. more into what exactly that is? Talk about Hearst, a little bit about Hearthstone and then the progression from Hearthstone into Marvel Snap. What attracted you to this game? Right. So we need to go a little bit back before Hearthstone, actually, because my card game journey started when I was like 10 years old. I was playing Yu-Gi-Oh, actually. It all started from there. Started playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, I got hooked on it. Well, I, f- I can't remember exactly why I got hooked on it, but I just got hooked on Yu-Gi-Oh!, Played Yu-Gi-Oh! And then I found out I was pretty good at it. Pretty good at it. At 13, I won. I was like top 8 of Nets when I was 13. And then like, uh, that started my whole snowballing into card games. Uh, 
Yu-Gi-Oh, then I played it a bit when I was like in my in my college days. Then I stopped because there was no money in the game, sadly. Then um I came, I went to university. Uh I played Hearthstone there casually. Just cause like I, I used to play physical card games, right? I played Hearthstone casually, and then I think somewhere along the line, I got a chance to play for a pro team, a local pro team for Hearthstone when it was really big back then. And that's uh, started my whole like esports journey in uh in card games. Uh stuck with Hearthstone for a good three years three three to four years competitive like i literally lived and breathed half stone it was like my main source of income so like when people watch my streams now and see why am i so freaking try hard when it comes to marvel snap it's an occupational hazard i assure you like <laughs> the amount of like thinking i do in marvel snap i think might be very excessive like a lot of my chat tells me like um um uh, stop thinking so much and like isn't that obvious and i'm like guys it's an occupational hazard so yeah um i literally live they're also breathed. wrong yeah they're also <laughs> wrong no, like you're right to take your time and think. They're wrong and like I want to I want to reinforce that here. Like there's so much what if in Marvel Snap that running it through is. all the lines and it actually is. counting is really hard to do and there's like a minute and a half you have to do it in. You are 100% right. Sorry, continue. Uh, all right. Anyway, no, but basically I'm just trying to say that like I I was a bit concerned at first when I transitioned from Hearthstone to Marvel Snap because Marvel Snap is largely more casual right now. We cannot mm-hmm. disagree. It's more casual than any other like competitive card game out there because it's actual no real competitive scene yet. But like the thing is, I feel like ha- what I brought over from Hearthstone to Marvel Snap is like my starting point. Um, like if let's say people start like here at for um Marvel Snap, I start I'm starting like outside of the screen like way here because like coming from other card games and having card game fundamentals going to Marvel Snap is super super important to like getting good at the game quickly also of course if you have a bit of poker background it helps as well because this is one card game which has like that one aspect of like bluffing which other games don't have as much of and like I think the snap mechanic is like the biggest biggest difference between Marvel Snap and other card games so I had a bit of both. I had a bit of poker background casually and a lot of card game background. So I think coming into Marvel Snap, I was generally not trying to sound, okay, this is not meant to sound like like cocky or whatever. It's just the truth. It's really just the truth, which is, I think I came into Marvel Snap with super, super high like 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 starting point, which allowed me to do well in tournaments on ladder and allowed me to produce the content that I currently produce. So I guess that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of tournaments, I think that at least we've we've had another tournament player on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And there's there's two there's two tournament players right now that really stand out to me in particular that I have my eye on. That you know, every time I see a bracket, I'm like, uh, I've got my eye on those two. And that's that's yourself. And then uh then a then a little guy called Moyen as well. Talk to me oh, yeah, about that. <laughs> Talk to me about the uh this little this the this sort of rivalry between you two. I know it's not any any bad blood rivalry, but I feel like you two are the best the best two of the best players in the game right now. Obviously there's other players that are maybe less represented with high skill, but I wanna like give a special shout out to KJB here. Yeah. Oh my god, I was about to do that, dude. I was <laughs> literally so, about so to do that. Good, man. He's so good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so he's a Pokemon player too, right? I played him yeah. in my KJB Toracoon Braude shortlist uh, yeah. right there. I'm there's sure a few there more. There's definitely a few more, yeah. There's definitely a few more. But like 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 I, I felt like it was actually leaving people like specifically KJB with his record oh my god, yes. of finishes is like someone who absolutely should not be left out of this conversation. There are definitely more people that I want to shout out. But yeah. if you're talking about like Lambie and Moyen, you have to put KJB. Yeah. I feel right. like there's like so, this, this Yugi Kaiba though thing that you Oh my I, god. Yeah. Okay, I'll which? get into that soon. Hold on, no, I'll no, no, no. Which, which one's which? 
Yeah, okay, no, wait, wait. I'll get into that right after <laughs> this. But like, firstly, the KJB thing is um, like, like obviously you you like people that share your same wavelength, right? Like generally. But like KJB is like that one person in Marvel Snap that like has like the literal same wavelength as me. Like everything, like the way we think, the way we do things, even our philosophy and like our style of play is like about literally the same. And his results show. So I guess thinking the same way as me and KJB wins games. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway. That's interesting. Yeah. I feel like you're a little more aggressive than he is. Yeah, slightly, just slightly. But like he likes to like, snap early as well. He likes to snap early, but he snaps early on like specifically identified points, right? Also, he plays more decks than you. Yeah, he plays slightly yeah. wider spectrum, I would say. Yes, but I, I guess think I was like you—you you just are too... just like you, I feel like you talk yourself into Thanos consistently. Yes, it's like, you're not all right. <laughs> you're not exactly wrong because like it's the only deck that can keep me entertained for a long period of time. So like mm. I do, I do, I I have played. Like in recent days, I have played like the Zabu decks um a bit. I've played them in tournaments a little bit as well, but they don't really keep me entertained, even though I know they are great. Right. But yeah, okay. Like, so KJB, KJB will play Sandman. I don't think I've ever seen you play a Sandman. One time. One time. <laughs> <laughs> I played it one time. I hate the deck. So boring. <laughs> I, I played it one time. I played it one time. But yeah, okay. So um there there's this like funny Yugi Kaiba thing that they talk about like between me and Moyen and then like I always ask them who's the who's the Kaiba because I'm not rich then they always say oh Moyen's not rich as well so uh, I guess someone has to be the Kaiba so I'm just like okay I'll be, I'll be the Kaiba because I'm probably the bad guy but yeah anyway um, yeah Moyen is really good like me and Moyen we both came from Hearthstone um, I think in general if you've come from like a competitive background in other card games you have a higher starting point in marvel snap like you mentioned kjb right pokemon myself and moyan halfstone Spessy, Spessy came from gwent i think he doesn't play a lot of tournaments but yes. Spessy came i mean from I, I came from magic if that oh yeah i played from magic magic is also a difficult game to learn right mm -hmm. so yeah i i think if you have generally some competitive background in card games coming into marvel snap shouldn't be a difficult thing to do yeah, so I guess for myself and Moyen, we, we we are just very active when it comes to competing. I think both of us are kind of try hard at winning and we love to win. Who doesn't? But like I think we really, really like emphasize on like trying our best to like do well in these tournaments and mm. stuff. Um so yeah, I, I don't really know what else to say. I just feel like I just feel like in the current system, I am in a good spot in terms of my skill level and like I welcome challenge, but as of now, I don't think there are many people that are close to me, Moyan, and KJB. Mm. And yeah, and those are the people that we mentioned. There's uh, I don't think that people are aware, but there's Marvel Snap tournaments most days of the week, if not yes. every single day. And there's actually there's a subgroup of players that are just Marvel Snap tournament grinders and are pretty yep. much in every tournament and also winning every single tournament between them. And we've mentioned them all pretty much uh, so far. Mm -hmm. there was, there's some other players um, uh, as well, but... Like there is this weird there th that does exist. I think a lot of people don't even know these tournaments are going on because you kind of have to mm. be in the know. By the way, <laughs> like you can't find them anywhere. They're, like some people, like I know yourself, maybe you have like a aggregator on your Discord. That's where I get all my tournaments because it shows it in my time zone and <laughs> yeah. everything. Um, yes. But yeah, there, there's I need like to a, steal your aggregator. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> I need to it's, steal it's, your aggregator. Like it's very helpful. No, my aggregator is is Browder. Browder is the one that. That's integrated what I into said my last time. I was like, yeah, yeah that's how he did it for me. I didn't do anything, man. I didn't do anything. He just integrated it for me. So I'm just like, okay. Oh my god, I need to go. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ask him to do that. <laughs> yeah, do it. Do it. Yeah. Uh, it's, also, it's, if you're looking for tournament stuff I, on weekends, whenever any of them are streaming, I generally try to co-stream because I think it's a really good way to 
get an insight on what high level Marvel Snap actually looks like. And because of that, I end up not competing in many of them myself, which is cool because casting is consistent money with a lot less pressure. True. <laughs> True. That's the dream. No, but honestly, I think you should try competing in them, KM. It'll be fun. And like I think you will do well, honestly. So like I think you should try once here and there. There's a there's a there's kind of a, a statement I live by in flesh and blood and it's that those that can't play, those that can cast. So I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, uh, you're right. Like if you, like people that can't cast, like that's a much rarer skill set. You know what I mean? Like really, I'm the rank one of yes, this. Yes. If we're gonna be like, like it's you talked about progression you, from yeah, from yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Um. So I want to talk to you, Lambie, about online tournaments versus land tournaments. So you're going to the UK okay. Content Creator Clash uh, coming mm -hmm. up here uh, in June. How do you feel about? Online tournaments versus in-person land tournaments in a game like Marvel Snap. Do you think it adds an element that's beneficial for the player and for the audience by being in-person? For the audience, beneficial for the audience. Okay. Uh, um. Yeah, you could. Yeah, just so people, people watching it, people interested in it, following the scene, etc. Okay, so firstly, before I go into any of that, I just want to say that that you need you uh, anyone, everyone who's listening to this podcast needs to Google uh flight tickets from Singapore to UK and realize how expensive it is. So you guys need to support my stream <laughs> and fund me. But all right, that, that that's enough of that. But anyway, <laughs> I'm I'm thirty five percent there. But all right, anyway, so um, I think when it comes to lands, um, okay, the line between entertainment for lands and online tournaments is quite close right now because like I feel like because of like COVID over the last two or three years like because we had no choice but to do online kind of stuff I feel like the ex viewer experience wise for the audience is pretty similar whether you're watching it at a LAN or online uh, because like like at the end of the day you're still watching your favorite players compete of course the atmosphere is different right you don't get the crowd rah-rah kind of stuff but like in terms of watching your players compete I think we've adapted quite well to the online um scene but for competitors i feel being live and being online is hugely different like huge like, i mean you guys play physical tcgs before like playing in person and you can see the guy sitting right across you in mm -hmm. the room and playing online is very different right there's like additional like things you can do and like you can additional tells you can pick up if the guy's like literally right opposite you like you can see if he's like it's like nervous you can see if he's like fiddling with his cards so like you know that he's gonna like make a play that will counter your play blah 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 on online there's not much like in Hearthstone the only tell I get is like if my opponent's thinking he's roping if he's cocky he's emoting me for example or like that kind of stuff right but like in person in person play when it comes to um, TCG like, like card games is always um, I feel like it's better for me because I analyze like all these things a lot like I look at the person and see like whether I think they're in a confident position whether they are like weak or that kind of thing so like being able to look at this kind of stuff and see it as a competitor I think it's very valuable and it is missing from online card games which is not the card, no, not the fault of the card game because it's online, right? That, that's the difficult thing to integrate. But Marvel Snap in general is the closest thing that I have to like an in-person TCG, which is not in-person because the snapping mechanic and like the bluffing, the knowing when to like, 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 like all in or to retreat or that kind of thing. Like it has a little bit more human aspect than like Hearthstone, which I value. I value the human aspect of card games a lot, like a lot. I think that's my age as well. Uh, like making the right reads based on what I see my opponent do, that kind of thing, play patterns, blah, blah, blah. So like um, Marvel Snap has brought me a lot of joy because I can apply what I think is my skill set to an online card game, which I used to do in person. So yeah, that's what I really like about Marvel Snap. And yeah, 
competing mm-hmm. online physically. Yeah. We talk about Marvel Snap being more casual right now, and all of the tournaments are grassroots. They're, they're held by the community. What yep. do you think the future of Marvel Snap competition looks like? Does it look like second dinner getting involved or you know, at least facilitating a large tournament circuit, uh, or is it just grassroots? Do you think that that is a sustainable model to actually create a pseudo or even mm. eSport out of the game? Oh, this is difficult because I, I want what I want. What I want is for second dinner to be fully involved like giving out like huge prizes for competitions stuff like that like that's what i want but what i think will happen is that we will be on that grassroots level third party organizers for a bit longer than some of us like like i think it's gonna be like um the same old like third party organizers holding tournaments maybe with increased cash prizes in the future but it's gonna be that way for a while i feel because i feel like I don't think, and this is not me giving confirmation or whatever, but I don't think that um, Second Dinner is going to be very big on like competitive esports Marvel Snap anytime soon, which is sad for me. But like, I think our community, like so far in the third party scene, is doing a great job. There's like so many tournaments, by the way. Like, mm. I'm, I'm like struggling to not have a tournament to play. It's a lot. So, like, I think, I think, I think we're going to be in this like, like area of like just having third party organizers for quite a bit longer but i hope that marvel snap like second dinner like the official like marvel snap will like give us a circuit i don't care if it's a small circuit but give us a circuit so that i can feel like this is like more real you know for me plus i'm a competitor at heart i want to compete i don't want to stop competing so if there's something official that i can compete for like it it drives traffic for me and it also like um gives me more motivation not that i'm not motivated now but like like if it's official it's definitely more motivating and like i think maybe some people that are like closet competitors in the scene that don't play these third party tournaments will come out and play if there's an official scene mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I also think that it will be longer than maybe some people expect, even if if it comes at all. But uh, it yeah. just seems like something a second dinner is just not not interested in, which which is totally fine. Um, so, Lamby, this is going to sound like a super obvious question to you, but <laughs> take it with a grain of salt that you know some people listen to this podcast probably have never played a single game of Battlebone in their life. What yes. what are what is different about tournament play from ladder play, and what are some sort of aspects that you add to your game to be successful in tournament play or even just battle mode specifically okay um there's two there's two avenues here one is ladder versus battle mode one is ladder versus competition i think it's two very different avenues mm-hmm. so i'm gonna go with ladder versus battle mode in general first which is the biggest difference is battle mode you have 10 life 10 cubes per se which is basically finite resources finite health so Early on, way early on in the podcast, I talked about um, staying in when your opponent snaps just to see what happens. Well, that's even worse in battle mode because seeing what happens is one-tenth of your life. Well, two-tenths of your life, actually. One-fifth, one-fifth, yeah. One-fifth of your life, which you do, which on ladder, you can have like all the one-fifths you ever want, right? As long as you have like, like time in a day. But in battle mode, that one battle mode is just finite. Ten cubes, that's all. So I think translating over from ladder to battle mode if you've never really done it before you might fall into the habit of like oh i have time i have time to chill i have time to look i have time to see and explore even though my hand is trash well you don't that's the the most important thing like when you transit from ladder to battle mode you don't have as much time as you think which is i think a learning curve for me as well i sometimes forget like when i just started playing battle mode from like ladder in february i forgot that hey this is super time like limit constraint like i don't really have much time to like win this guy i cannot just like randomly throw out my cubes just because like i'm curious you know so that's one big transition 
from ladder to battle mode and then ladder to competition that's like one more level up because competition aka battle mode right now is not just playing the battle mode game it's playing the opponent as well like a lot of my games are won not cause okay like a lot of my snaps retreats and games that i won slash like yolo or whatever people call it it's not because like i'm like just yolo or like i just like yeah whatever but a lot of it is because i've played this person like across a few rounds one two three four then maybe in high stakes i start to feel like okay i kind of know how this person plays so i play the player instead of the game right like i snap early sometimes for example using the thanos example without like mind stone without lock draw i will still snap the person because i can sense this person is conservative they might retreat as long as they don't have the perfect hand. So I snap this person early based on what I've seen in the early rounds. And sometimes it works, sometimes they leave. So this is competition. Competition is not just playing the mode. It's playing the player. And this is like really one step up. And I cannot really explain to you how I do it like in this short span of time. But in general, you want to like identify weaknesses in a person's pat- uh, gameplay and identify their patterns and like exploit it in a battle mode, which takes a really long explanation so we'll leave that for another time here I, i've got a good way to do it what are my weaknesses yeah. i think what i know what your... they are but i, I want to know what you come up with i've only played you in better once dude <laughs> but mm-hmm. let me think your weaknesses we, your did, weakness. we did a decent amount of scrimming and practicing but like i feel like you can i feel like you could probably identify them because i'm pretty sure i know what they are your weakness okay but for what it's worth i played you once or twice but okay let me think he's putting me on the spot right now chat guys uh, let me think let me chat. think chat <laughs> so uh. have it have it have it have it km's weaknesses i honestly think sometimes you do that whole thing that i was talking about whereby you stay excessively just to see mm-hmm. i've seen that before a few times on stream you stay excessively but okay honestly that could be a content angle as well so i'm not 100 percent sure but i mean it is I kind think... of a content angle but you're right i do I stay and there's one more thing is, I think generally you play a little bit safe. I see you cover three lanes a lot. Yes, that I, is I exactly what I was, I was kind of like. That is exactly what I was thinking. I was like, there's no way like he's got to He's got to figure that out. It's like, I do have that tendency. I cover yeah. three lanes. I don't snap super aggressively. Some of that is content. Some of that is bad habits. I was okay, honestly, I was a little bit right. nervous because, like, I wasn't hundred percent sure. Right. But I've I've talked so much about how I can identify these things, right? So I hope no, I got you're it 100% correct. Right. Yeah. Absolutely, that is the that is the specific one I was looking for. When you talk about someone who might get bullied out of a game, I'm that person who might get bullied out of a game. Like, that's like a specific weakness in my game. That like you know, you know, there's definitely games where I'll do like I am a content creator, so I am staying. But actual in battle mode. Uh, yeah, I think the specific dynamics of battle mode. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. okay. So I, I don't have to DM Brandon later to ask him to back him to edit this part out. <laughs> All right. Well, we good, I probably would have lied. I probably would have lied and said yes to whatever. Right. I'm a really good host. Okay. Yeah, but that okay. is actually the thing I was thinking. <laughs> oh, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. I, Guys, this is not scripted. Okay. <laughs> yeah, chat. This is not scripted. Um, so I have a yeah. battle mode. A battle mode this is a pre-recorded podcast. Hey. Would, would you ever in battle mode against an unknown opponent, relatively unknown opponent, and definitely unknown decklist? Would you ever stay in a battle mode with no intention to win and play minimal cards in order to get information on your opponent's deck? Would you do it for one cube? And the question: Would you do it for two cubes? Okay, so uh, are we talking about close deck list? Yes, I'm assuming decklist. close deck list. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is quite funny. I was just literally talking to Elfos from Snap Battle Arena about this the other day. He posed me this exact same question: uh, For one cube. 
I've lit okay, uh, I think it's time to just share a trade secret. So like um closed deck list tournaments, round one, many games, I do nothing on purpose. So what happens is the game starts, they they start playing cards. I just end turn every game. Like even if I have good cards, I just keep ending turn so that I can see them play free cards. Once they finally figure it out, which is like time for turn five, they maybe snap me and then I leave. But I see five turns worth five turns worth of free cards already. So it's for one cube, by the way. So that's a legit strategy in closed deck list. And I've done it a lot, but no one has ever realized that I'm doing it before until it's too late. But for two cubes, I... Hmm, good question. I have never thought about this before. I think I wouldn't. I think I wouldn't risk two cubes just to, like, do nothing. Mm. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Which but like, I guess if I'm invested in a game already and there's, like, certain level of chance to win, I might stay for two to see a Shang-Chi. Ah, that scenario. That's fine. Like, I think if, like, I'm already invested in a game, like, we both played cards, and, like, it's, like, round one, round two, and he doesn't snap his passive, and I really need to know if he plays Shang-Chi so I can get an 8-cuber later, yes, I will stay. But, like, yeah, that, that, that's, that's a very specific scenario. Yes. Yeah. It's just, uh, it, it's, I think it's a legitimate strategy. And, uh, yeah, the question of one to two quips, I mean, it's con- congruent with what you said, which is, like, Okay, maybe it snapped on turn five, then you leave. Because you could sit that turn five snap and sit the turn six in order to try to just see for two cubes, mm-hmm. see, see all six cards. But I think there's a lot of people that, li- that will listen to this and be like, holy shit, I never thought about that. But it happens, right? It, like, it's yeah. a legitimate strategy. Um, and I don't know if you can really play around it. Like, you shouldn't ad- you shouldn't address your first game with just being yeah, like, I'm yeah. going to play minimal cards because you, you might just lose and your opponent might just have a bad hand. But um, yeah, just this little battle mode, little battle mode tidbits. Um you recently played a limited tournament, uh, group tournament. Draft, yes. Yeah. What do you think about the future of limited in Marvel Snap, and how do you see it being executed? Some sort of draft version. So the web, the the site that I use to draft, it's uh, designed by uh, by by a, a Korean person um, and a famous Korean streamer called Pusa. They they um they designed this mode. Um, I tried it out a few times and. I actually think that this mode would be very enjoyable because it's akin to like sealed sealed format in other games whereby you have a fixed pool, uh, you draft from that pool and then you build decks based on that pool. Um, I, okay, there's like no chance it's going to be an actual game mode in the game, right? I, I believe there's like no, no. chance, but like, I, I, there's, I, but like, no, no. Yeah, I, but I think, I think the, the, the game has like, that, that mode, that, that, that drafting thing has a lot of potential mm. because it got me interested into like playing a format where I cannot play my best cards like I normally am not interested in playing a format where I cannot play my best cards because like it's not as interesting to me but like this format in particular like I get to draft from a pool of like I don't know random cards and then build a deck and beat my opponent in battle mode so like I I don't know man like I never thought I would enjoy draft I just be completely honest with you I never thought that I would enjoy it but I really do. And if you really ask me to pinpoint why I do, I cannot tell you right now <laughs> because I really went in thinking that, okay, I'm just going to try this because I got invited. But I got invited and I couldn't stop playing it. So like, it's, you guys should try it out. Uh, Marvelsnap.world, by the way, is the website. So yeah, go check it out. Yeah, I w- uh, honestly, I think it could be a game mode because I think a lot of people 
Well, not a lot of people, but it could be argued that sealed in general is not actually a feature of games. It's just a bug, and it's a format that was created to sell packs that people don't need of booster packs. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I mean, it's that. not a fact, right? It's just like it could be that could be argued is that it's like it's not a legitimate format you kind of design for. You can design around it initially, but it does. Okay. It is a way to sort of stimulate people buying packs outside of construction once they have their cards. That being said, I do think that if it was a pay-to-enter, pay-to-play limited version of Marvel Snap, people would probably engage with that in the monetary way. So I think there's a possibility that it comes to Snap. Okay. Yeah, because I think there's a potential monetary monetary upside. All right. I've just got some lists that I want to hit real quick just to pump some value at the end of this this podcast. Lambi, if people, if someone was going to listen to this, they want to pick up Thanos for the f- for the first time. Would you mm-hmm. recommend them this list? Just on my flash flash on screen right now, called Cube Printer Deluxe. <laughs> you think this is a good starting point for Thanos? Okay, I call it a Cube Printer Deluxe because it's my Cube Printer Deluxe. I print cubes with this deck, but like on, on Twitter, people have been saying that oh, I cannot win with this deck. <laughs> I don't blame them. I don't comment on those, but like I know why they cannot win with this deck. But I don't, I don't, I don't mention <laughs> it. But like, no, I, no, I do. Hey, no, so the, the, why exactly would that be? <laughs> Because you guys are playing Marvel Snap wrong, but like anyway, okay, no, no, but that's that that that's, that that's the truth, okay? Because like this deck fundamentally, you need to be have really very sound snapping. Uh, like you cannot have ego when you play this deck. You need to yep. know when you cannot win, guys. This deck, the one thing I say most about this deck is this deck is not meant to win every game. It's meant to win certain games very hard and run away from the rest of the game because it's inherently inconsistent. It is inherently inconsistent. You are printing cubes when you have the good hands. When you don't have the good hands, run, run, run like the wind, guys. Just this is like that kind a of normal them. printer. Just like a yeah. normal printer, it is inconsistent and breaks. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Wait, I want to say first, like, uh, Brandon asked me if I would recommend this particular deck to people mm-hmm. picking up uh, Thanos for the first time. The funny thing is, I would still say yes, because I think the best way to enjoy Thanos and learn Thanos is the Lockjaw build. But you must understand that as much as it is, yes, the best way to enjoy the deck because it's fun, it's high rolly, you get to learn what each stone does. You also need to understand that like this deck in general is meant to not win every game. So I would recommend it, but you need to understand that you're not meant to win every game. Mm. Yep. And I want to apologize in to addition, audio listeners I think, real quick. I think I, I was gonna, like let, me, really... let me hit this list for the audio listeners. I forgot, and that's my fault. <laughs> People listening, okay. well, like, what the hell are they talking about? Okay, so Q Printer Deluxe right. is a Thanos deck that is Wasp, Lockjaw, Killmonger, Wave, Devil Dinosaur, Leech, Arrow, Doctor Doom, Odin, America Chavez, Thanos, Magneto. Go KM. <laughs> so the main thing about Thanos that like sticks out to me is it's never going to carry you. When people say like, oh, I keep losing with this deck, like it's never going to carry you. This deck list is not going to carry you. That deck list is built specifically to answer certain problems in this meta. The reason to play that Thanos list is you want to play a wave Killmonger. Yes, that's it. That's the reason. Why do you want to play a wave Killmonger deck? Because you want to really, really, really beat up people playing. That's it. That's why you want to do it. You want to play a wave Killmonger deck stapled. Yeah, stapled to a high roll game plan. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's the purpose of this list. Mm-hmm. So it's less a deck that is going to carry you in all contexts and more just this is a very current list that you're going to have to tweak and move with. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to Thanos in general, I've changed the list like once every week, even though it's like one or two card changes only. But the most common trend that I'm changing is um, some of you, like if you see the list or if you like, like look at the list, it's really... 
the core is always there, but we are changing Arrow. We are changing Leech. We are changing Odin. Yeah, we are can changing we cut Magneto. Arrow? Can we cut Arrow for like Shang-Chi? Oh yeah, no, it's fine. Like, Arrow is my 12th card because like every day I will take out Arrow once, put in Shang-Chi, put in Skrull, put in Enchantress, put in some random thing because I really don't like Arrow. I, 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 I'll no. be the first to admit, I don't like Arrow. So I bad. Okay, I don't like Shang-Chi as well, but like there is no perfect 12th card right now in my honest opinion. So I'm just rotating here and there. So like if I rotate one card, I don't really update the list on Twitter, but if I like change like three or four cards, yeah, I will probably update the list. But like currently Arrow is the 100% 12th card. You don't need it but if you're in my server in Infinite, you will see like two Galactus every 10 games. So like maybe sometimes you need it. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, uh, that's just funny because I played Galactus into Lambie at the last tournament that we, we played against each other. And I did it because I saw Lambie complain about Galactus on Twitter. And I was like, well, shit, might as well <laughs> kill Galactus. But then he timestoned me on turn, uh, you know, he timestoned me to Magneto me on uh, early every single time when I try to Galactus, which is also pretty okay, good. For, wait, wait. <laughs> For what it's worth, that tournament, that game was when I realized Brandon was a true gamer because he was the only person in my life that played Galactus into the lane that had a card because he expected had me to pull. Yeah. He expect he expected me to pull the card out of the lane, yep. but <laughs> I didn't do it. Which be it's because I expected that exact scenario. I don't know why I expected it. I just did. And he did exactly Once that. Once you do he something collectors. like two times, right? Like I get yeah. that. Like you, you get him with it twice, and you're like, "All right, he's he's wise to it now." I have yeah. to play around that. He's the first person I ever know that willingly played Galactus into a lane with a card, and I'm like, "Whoa!" I don't know why I played around it, but I did. But he did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was my hail mary. I was getting wrecked. I remember yeah. I I watched back the stream and Lamy's the first game. He's like, "Oh." Because it's turn five and I've barely done anything. He's like, he's doing that thing. He's trying to scout my deck. And I was like, dude, I just haven't drawn a lecture or a wave. My, my deck sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it was like every match was like that for a while. I remember while I was yeah. watching the stream and Lambie was like so perplexed about the strategy. And it was just like... I, just, <laughs> I was like, what's Brendan doing? Why is he still in this game? I just game? drew no cards. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about another deck that people can't win with. That's actually good. And you guys are going to be surprised about this one, but I read the comments. So I mm. know that this one pisses people off. And it's going to be is, the Patriot deck. It is. It? This is wave gg yes. this this is lambie's version of it which we talked about earlier it's gonna be wasp oh mr sinister patriot brood debris wave iron lad iron man blue marvel doctor doom onslaught ultron a deck that not too yeah. long ago someone on this podcast said was so easy to play it's patriot well i'll tell you there's some people listening to this they're like people this get deck so sucks. mad at this <laughs> oh, they're like, like, I lost, like, like i lost five cubes fuck you they get so I've nice. more sarcastic comments about this patriot deck than anything else yeah. which is bizarre to me it's like it's like people can't handle losing a game to enchantress guess what shit happens move on yeah <laughs> like, like like, we are building this deck to just say Enchantress doesn't exist. Come on, guys. Like, come on. Yeah. Are, this, like you have this deck means Enchantress doesn't exist. It's yeah. the same thing with the Thanos, right? Like, if you're gonna, if you're not going to snap this stuff, then you might as well not play this deck. And if yeah. you're going to see a lot of Enchantress, then you might as well not play, <laughs> not this, play this deck. deck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, but uh, this list in particular, I need to explain one card only, which I think will pose a lot of questions because it's already been asked a lot of times when I posted the list, was why mm. Ultron? Okay, firstly, firstly, guys, let me just say that if you look at the curve, this deck is really amazing at doing nothing for the first two turns. Like, mm. like it doesn't do anything, guys. If you don't have Sinister, you don't do anything until turn three, right? So um, you often 
by the time you play Iron Lad on turn 4, very likely your Iron Lad, Iron Lad lane is not even full. So what happens if you hit Ultron? Fine, fine. The rest of your lanes are full. But your Iron Lad lane is not full. You still can buff that lane. And buffing that lane buffs every lane. So there is not that much of a downside to hitting Ultron early with Iron Lad. And on another note, Ultron has been one of the best cuts in like non-Iron Lad Patriot list anyway, right? Because you can focus all your buffs onto one lane and mm. uh, Ultron will just solo every lane after you set up your buffs. So I think it's too good of a cut to cut. And once again, I would like to say that Ultron off of Iron Lad is not even that bad. You usually have space to put buffs on the board. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, you just have to think about it when you're playing your Iron Lad, right? Yeah. Like it's like you don't get to put your Iron Lad in a brood lane and feel smart. Yeah, of course, it. of course, of course. Yes, of course. Yeah, it's not like that you bad. have to. It, it's one of those things where it's like, like, oh man, I wish we had Howard the Ducks. Like, no, you just have to be like, all <laughs> right, I am eighty-seven percent likely to not hit Ultron here. Yeah, and if I hit that twelve point five percent, or oh well, it's, and just <laughs> don't, yeah, fine. oh well, right, yeah. yeah, okay. But this deck is like one of the best Iron Lad decks ever. There's like no bad hits. Oh, I, God. like most of the hits are good, right? Patriot, Iron Man, Blue Marvel, Onslaught is freaking insane, by the way. We so, finally like, dropped Mystique. I yeah. yeah, I dropped it. I didn't really like it. That's the truth. Like that. That's deck. like like Ultron's we've gone we've gone full all in on just being like like the fundamental role this deck has is so there is or was I don't I don't really keep up with the Magic the Gathering Legacy metagame. Mm. I don't know anything. There's a deck. There was a deck called the Spanish Inquisition, right? Because all it did was ask one question: uh, Do I you have a Force of Will? And Force of Will is a free counter spell, Magic Gathering. This deck is doing the same thing. Do you have an Enchantress? That's it. That's the question. If you don't yeah. have an Enchantress, I'm putting more points on the board than you. Yeah. Well, that's it. Whole, the whole thing. Well, well, hey. If you have Enchantress, this deck can still fucking beat you. I have Enchantress it's in my still list. Okay. I have Enchantress someone playing this list and I've lost and I was like... What? I've beaten people <laughs> who have Enchantress me before. But like yeah. it's 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 a lot like it. Usually you only beat the Enchantresses when they do it on like turn four. Right. Like there's a bunch of people who like you'll play a Patriot and they'll Enchantress it and you, you can win those games. But if they Enchantress your like Onslaught lane, mm. you are yeah, usually going to be dead. Yeah, Onslaught's a big commit. Yeah, because all your buffs will be there. I feel like one way this deck beats Enchantress, actually two things. First is you got to know they have Enchantress. So it's a very battle mode thing. Mm -hmm. Like if you know they have Enchantress, you can split buffs and you can go for different kinds of Hail Marys. Like like if 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 you know that they have Enchantress, your Iron Lad Hail Mary is probably not going to be an Onslaught. You're going to be hoping for Brute because because that's fucking 18 power, right? For example. So like, if you know they have Enchantress, the battle is like, not as hard. If you don't know, that's where you lose eight cubes. Uh, yeah. 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 I, 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 I think like that's where, Go ahead. I think that's why people on Twitter get mad. Yeah. Like, true, true. People say true. things like, oh, you lose to Enchantress, right? And, yeah. Like, there are a lot of strategies in this game that lose to specific counter cards. It hasn't stopped them from being good in the past. You know yeah. what loses to you know what, you know what Sarah loses to a uh, wave Sandman. You know what Moon Girl loses to like the Moon Girl She Hulk decks wave, wave Sandman. Does that mean they are unplayable? <laughs> no. Yeah. What if someone said? What if someone said this loses to like someone? The new balance deck comes out. Katie Pride's putting out thirty dan thirty power on turn six. Someone goes, this loses to uh, this loses to turn four Sandman. You're like, yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> that happens a lot. That's yeah. like that's like a solid 10% of YouTube comments is someone <laughs> yeah. saying like this loses to X. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it does. It does actually lose to X. You don't like I feel like people think you're supposed to win every game. Yeah. If you I, play 
Like, it doesn't matter if you lose to Sandman or if, if no one's playing Sandman. It doesn't matter if you lose to Enchantress if you win every other game. It doesn't matter. And obviously, that's like a hyperbolic way of explaining it. But it's like, yeah, there are games you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You can draw I want to... Go ahead. Sorry. I, yeah, I want to go deeper a little bit on that one, which is like... You guys were saying, I mean, we were all saying that, okay, so that Patriot loses to Enchantress, KT deck loses to Wave. I'm going to go back to my Thanos deck again and say, like, my deck, it, the, that Thanos deck, Thanos Lockjaw deck that we were talking about is also a bit similar to this, which is, it's evergreen, whereby this deck loses to my own bad hands. So, if yes. you draw the bad, yeah, exactly. If you draw my the bad hands, it's evergreen. You will always sometimes draw bad hands with this deck. So, how to win with the Thanos deck, which like I've been winning so much with is you know knowing when you cannot win is how you start winning with this deck legit I know it sounds like (laughs) some Confucius like smart person shit but like legit legit knowing when you cannot win with this deck is how you start to win with this deck (laughs) alright alright I'm I'm good I'm good (laughs) some Confucius smart person shit I'm Asian I can say all that man it's fine Carry on. The uh the Patriot deck also, I think that it may be a bit more but it also draws bad hands, and that's just part of it. You have to know when to leave. Like sometimes you're just yeah. not going to draw the buff and you have some of the worst cards in your deck. <laughs> like it's just how it yeah, goes. You're just like your hand is like Mr. Sinister Wasp and like a wave with no payoff, and you're just like, oh, that's dope. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. I, I also I just want to mention I do like this deck, especially the one with Mystique in it. I like it a lot mm-hmm. more in battle mode than I like it on ladder. Because ladder to me is a little bit of just like what f- what uh, so what tech card do I just randomly lose to? Where battle mode is really? like as soon as I not all the time, right? But it happens. Like I I, no, I have to. Like, I think this is a great ladder deck. I, I like I I'm not saying it's a bad ladder deck. I just like it a lot more in battle mode because I will there's some there's some hands I have to I feel like I have to snap, right? They're just that's what this deck does, and I just lose to Enchantress and like I will lose a lot of cubes that way. In battle mode, I feel like I can exploit this deck so much. Because as soon as I know what card you have in your deck, I know when to split, I know how to play around, I know how to disperse my power, etc. It's not this deck is a bad ladder deck, it's just that I think that this is one of the best battle mode decks there is. That's interesting because I think it's such a good ladder deck because it covers so many bases, right? You have debris for your Galactus matchups. You have a ton of points that you put on the board to be able to match up against kitty decks. And again, debris does a significant amount of work there. They're not very good at like getting crap off their board without clogging their hand. It's like kind of an awkward thing for them to do. It's possible if they manage their hand correctly, but it's very awkward, right? You put more points on the board than a lot of other decks. You are not as vulnerable to something like Killmonger as a lot of other decks. Like it, a lot of bases are covered. A lot of people are playing wave. You get a free Doctor Doom whenever they do that crap, right? Like you have your wave. You don't have to play it in those matchups. You can, though. It's like, I guess you are opening yourself up to eight cube losses in the event that they like have Enchantress and you like wave out an Onslaught or whatever. Or Scroll. Scroll is really good against you as right. well. But like you have a lot of bases covered on ladder. And I think when you look for a ladder deck, having those bases covered is really important because ladder is so open. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to, I've listened to both sides and I think that like, I want to like agree and disagree on certain things. So firstly, I agree with KM, which is I, when I play this deck on ladder, like it's, it just covers everything. Wait, no, no, no. I'm not done. I'm not done. I agree <laughs> with KM on this part. It covers everything, like everything. I don't disagree, but if I can safely say that 
I can play this deck on ladder without fear, I cannot. Which is where I have to agree with Brandon, which is this deck in battle mode, if I know... Okay, the thing is, this deck's way of winning, like, is two different ways, right? You just split buffs or you're all in on one lane with, like, all your buffs and then you Ultron. So, like, in a tournament, if I know you don't have Enchantress, I'm gonna play so recklessly, just, like, Blue oh Marvel, God. Patriot, just Ultron, like, no bye <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna like if you don't have Enchantress and I know you don't have Enchantress right every game I'm gonna be snapping the moment I have the Patriot and you cannot do anything <laughs> so like I agree with both of you but for battle mode wise I think I'll be more I'll be more confident playing this in battle mode than leather yeah yeah, so, yeah. I get that but I think it's like I think it's I think when you say that it's like underselling its quality as a ladder deck because of all yeah, the it is good it, it is good up, still on leather for right? sure mm. like this is not a battle mode specialist deck it yeah, covers it's not, it's a wide range and, you know, one of the things that makes it really easy to cover a wide range is you just put a bunch of big-ass numbers. True. Like, that's yeah, really, true. that's one really good way to have a lot of positive matchups is to just, like, like when you look at these, the bounce decks, right? Like, they're not playing tech. And for the record, I think maybe they should be, but they're not, right? Like, the yeah. Sarah version is, and that's why I like the Sarah version, because it's, like, a bounce deck, but also you can, like, answer stuff like this. Yeah. I mean, it's like your only stats deck. The, the only stats deck is just a generic stats deck, right? And like, yeah. at, at the end of the day, in Marvel Snap, how do you win games? More stats. So like, yeah. yeah, the only stats deck was one of the better ladder decks that I played recently. Mm. The only stats deck was great, but you also had to pick and choose what you could cover. True. Right? And now that we have to put Wave in there to cover the uh, matchups against the bounce decks because they go bigger on us than points, a lot of them are missing Enchantress. And mm -hmm. you are kind of stuck on like you kind of have to choose one. <laughs> like it's yeah. maybe you cut miles and you get to run enchantress and wave, and maybe that helps you cover it. Maybe maybe four or five enchantress is just strong enough there. But then you mm -hmm. like can't play your iron lad in your dark hawk lane, and you kind of have to start playing your dark hawks earlier in those matchups, which exposes them to opposing enchantresses because you have to like think about like am I gonna wave or whatever, or am I gonna get waved? A bunch of weird stuff is happening with that deck. And while I do think, I know you've you've been of the opinion that it's like kind of the best deck in the game, most likely, I worry it's very close to getting stretched too thin. Right, when I say best deck, I think, okay, maybe I didn't clarify it on Twitter because like, I don't think it's a deck that I will want to play all the time, but like, it's a generic deck that, when I say mm -hmm. best in the situation, I mean like, it's the best to climb without like other factors, like, without considering other factors, like, without considering too much about player skill, about, like, anything else. I think it's just a consistent deck. Like, when I say best, yes. I meant consistent. Yeah, it's just, like, not much can go wrong if you just do your normal thing. But if someone does something, something extraordinary, you probably lose. But, like, if you just do your normal thing, most games will be, like, sort of favored. Yeah. Mm. You're in every game. Yeah, you're in every game. Correct. That's the word. You're, you can play every game. Except Galactus, yep. you probably just die. But... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, you run like Polaris, so you're like 50% in a Galactus game where it's just like, yeah. well, did I draw the Polaris and did I guess right? And also, guess. I'm probably going to lose because they pulled my Polaris with Doc Ock and I'm dead. Like, it's like, Polaris is copium, right? Like, it's pure cope yeah. in that matchup, but it's the kind of cope you need to keep huffing to keep playing this mm. deck. Fair, fair point. All right, a couple more lists. Uh, this one's from KM. Sandy Cheeks is the name. What's that? It's, uh, don't know. This is like so speculative, man. I, no, this I, list I is good. I, no, this list is good. I, played I think this it list. is good, but I, it's like I took, so I, speculative. I took it off your Twitter and I did well with it because there's a lot of people playing Bounce and you have a this lot. This one is going to get the Howard the Duck comments, man. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, oh, wait. I mean, this is like, if I can't run Howard in here, where can I run it though, right? The issue is, True. I think you specifically want Howard in a deck where you need to choose between Jubilee and Iron Lad ordering on the final turn of the game. And this is not that. 
This is just a deck that has like eight really good Jubilee hits. Yeah. <laughs> like you just also, like play Jubilee and she's insane. I just I think- lost to a lot of Jubilees, which is why this deck is built the way that it is. Because mm. uh, like I was just losing to like people playing Jubilee and I was just like, man, that, that card is really good right now. <laughs> like everyone's playing all this fair Iron Lad stuff. And it's like, what if you just like played four six drops a game? That's probably just better. Yeah. Well, mm. for me, knowing our YouTube comments, I think that this deck is going to be one of the best decks that people can pick up just because I know there's a lot of bounce going on and you have a lot of mm. snap equity against bounce. I think that if you, oh God, if you snap you with Kitty Electro, Pride, you just like on snap three, on turn two. They can't yeah. leave. They can't leave before yeah. they see the Electro. And then they have to, there's like, oh, he doesn't have the Sandman. They all always fucking think you don't have the Sandman, but you always got the Sandman. <laughs> this deck is Nebula, Jeff, Lizard, Electro, Jubilee, Enchantress, Iron Lad, Sandman, Arrow, Doctor Doom, Odin, Magnus. Neither. so i mean you're just for really- the record for the record arrow mega sucks but <laughs> mm-hmm. because we're running enchantress i don't feel like i have the ability to run any of the fives that i would want to in that situation oh, claw okay, okay. dino but like since i'm running this enchantress iron lad crap i just i just don't want to run the risk and one thing to point out about this list is enchantress you're like oh man that's really bad but when you're on six mana after an electro, you can play Enchantress and Jeff. Jeff, and yeah. it's like not nearly as bad. Plus, all these like wave dudes are playing their Dark Hawks earlier now because they're playing wave in their deck and they want to wave out Doctor Doom or whatever. And if they play a Dark Hawk out early, you actually get to hit it with the Enchantress, or you can hit a Zabu with the Enchantress. There are a bunch of stuff you can do with Enchantress now. Like there are Dino mm-hmm. decks running around. You hit Enchantress with that. Hit your I own do think that. Yeah, I mean, you're sure. I mean, it's not great, but you, you, get, you have you have value built into the deck. Like, it's it's yeah. not terrible. Like it, I just i I think the whole premise here is just what if we played as many six drops as possible? What if Iron Lad was a six drop? What if Jubilee was a six drop? And that's pretty much what's going on here. I do wish Wave could be in here. I I do wish she could, and I do wish Chavez could be in here. I think those are the two things I would really want to fit in here if I could. Yeah, Chavez is like the. I feel like one of the well, like signatures putting, is missing. Putting wave in here makes your jubilees a little bit worse because like you go wave, like you you wave. You don't want to wave into a jubilee, so you like wave into a six drop and then you jubilee on five, and it's like I yeah. I don't think it's you weird. need to put wave into your deck, especially in the context of the immediate meta, right? Because your your Sandman play is going to hose any bounce deck, and then most other decks are going to play wave on turn five for you. I mean, even though people are going to realize that you're probably a ramp deck, I think that a lot of people on ladder are still going to play their waves on turn five. Like, unless they have something that's just objectively better, they're probably saving the wave on turn three. They're not playing immediately on turn three after they've only seen turn one and two, turn two car, right. uh, cards out of you. So, like, I think it's fine to it's not play wave. It's either a dead card or they play it, right? Yeah. Like, it's either, it's either a dead card or they play it and it's bad right yeah. but like they shouldn't play it to be fair it, it is a dead card yeah well let's talk about let's talk about a, a deck that i think you created from a deck that uh used to have howard the duck in it and this is called it's molden time someone posted a very similar list and they tagged you in it. no camp. i actually didn't i actually didn't base this on anything actually oh, i thought this was from the howard uh, it the came duck out of list. no it came out of, it came out of a discussion in discord mm. that was like someone's asking like what would the best way to play master mold be and they posted the the list with Sarah in it. And for the longest time, I've just been like, look, why the fuck are we building the Master Mold deck different from the Dino deck? What about the Master Mold deck is different from the Dino deck in that context? Like, why are we playing Sarah in it when we could just be building it like a Dino deck? And so the thought process for this was basically like, OK, what if we just put it in Doomwave? Because Wave is too good not to play right now. 
So what if we just put this in Doom Wave and said, all right, you know, Master Mold is really good against Bounce and Wave is really good against Bounce and Wave prevents them from playing stuff for your Ronin. What if that's good? Mm. Again, these are like two lists that I think were more speculative, but they're basically just like, all right, what if you just like only play against people playing Kitty Pride? You really want to beat everyone who was playing Kitty Pride. Let me hit the list for audio listeners real quick. That's uh, Korg, Master Mold, Zabu, Jeff, Wave, Polaris, Darkhawk, Rockslide, Iron Lad, Ronin, The Accuser, Dr. Doom, America, Chavez, Lambie, you are about to say something? Yeah, I wanted to say that I literally have this exact same list as well, but I played a little bit different. Like, because KM said he, he was leaning hard into the Dino thing, right? Yeah, I also leaned really hard into the Dino thing for my list. I have, like, Mystique and Black Widow in here uh, over two cards. Like, I think Jeff and something else. Yeah, but Mystique is really good with, like, Master Mode and Darkhawk and sometimes Zabu. And then Black Widow is just because, well, Ronan and Hawk, right? It makes sense, sort of. So. Doesn't it? Because, like, when you play Black Widow, it actually gets a card out of their hand. Okay, true. Yeah, but uh, it's more, more for Dark Hawk, I guess. Yeah, no, I but get it. It's just, it. like, it's just like, like, yeah. Yeah. But, like, I Plus see all does these other the Dark Hawk lists. The, like, the mold lists, I think they're all good. I think they're all good. I just feel like I haven't loved the Sarah and I haven't loved the Mystique. And I'm open to being wrong about the Mystique, but I'm fairly certain I'm right about the Sarah. I think you're right about the Sarah for sure. Also, for what it's worth, like one of the cards that downgraded is Master Mode, right? Like recently to see the series four. I think the card is underexplored. I think it has legit potential. I like the card actually. It's really good at. I guess I should say when it's good, it's absolutely backbreaking. Yeah. But when it's bad, it's just like, oh my god, why did I do that? But, but like, actually, how reason... often? How often is it bad though? Like I'm trying to think, right? Like what? I guess what, whenever it it's not backbreaking, I would say it's bad. Okay. Like okay. whenever it's not preventing your opponent from drawing a card and significantly messing up their game plan, like Moon Girl or Bounce. Yeah. I think okay. it's bad. Oh yeah, actually. It, probably, otherwise, probably like, bounce, you are so. you are playing a below rate card that draws them two cards. So unless that is something that is breaking them, unless they are really counting on having card space to play their Moon Girl, unless okay. they are a Kitty Pride deck that is no longer able to pick up the Kitty Pride or a bounce deck that is very unable to play their bouncers. You okay. should not be playing Master Mold. But in those situations, he is phenomenal. And that was sort of the idea here. It's like, all right, I played a bunch of wave decks. It's like, well, what if we don't draw a wave? Oh, we fucking lose that matchup. That sucks. What if we had two things that meant we win that matchup? That way we were mm. probably going to at least draw one. Okay. That makes sense. And that, that's pretty much where it came from. I have been spending an extremely over large amount of time trying to figure out like, okay, a, is there a way to win kitty mirrors or is it literally just who draws the kitty B what beats it in a way that doesn't give up equity elsewhere. Mm. And that was what the master mold deck was attempting to do. Cause if you'll notice, it's actually only two cards off the Wobolos deck. Mm. Like it's actually only two cards off. It's master mold and Ronan. Yeah. Like that's actually the only difference here. And the thought process there is like, all right, well, if they're not running like Enchantress, then this Master Mold's actually just like the biggest thing there is. And we never play Wave in the mirrors, so we just like play a big guy, and we have two big guys, and they have one big guy because they only have the dark. Yeah. Okay. And they don't run Enchantress anymore nowadays, so. Yeah. It's a lot I mean, if they now. started doing that again, again, it would be like, <laughs> you have to, I think you can't, I like the, the one quibble I have with the Wobolos deck is like, there's too much crap that Enchantress is good against. But if you never run into that stuff that Enchantress is good against, you just absolutely have a useless card in your deck. Makes sense. It's my general problem with tech cards in general. I, I'm not a fan of tech cards because like it's very reactive. I'm not a reactive like 
gamer in general. I like to be the one asking the questions. It's no, generally you're an player. Yeah, it's generally what wins as well. Yeah. <laughs> because like yeah. at at the end of the day, if you are always able to do something and then they can only react to it specifically with that one card, yeah. you are generally gonna be able to be doing your things more often and they must have that one card. So that's my philosophy yep. with a lot of things in card, in card games. Yeah, you ask, yeah, you make you ask the question with five cards in your deck and they have one card that can beat it. Like, I mean, you're exactly, just you're exactly. seeing more outs than them. Um, awesome. Well, Lambie, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. It's always thank great you. to talk to masters like yourself. Um, for people listening, what are you up to? Where can they find you? When are you streaming? Twitter, all of that. Go. Right. So you can find me on Twitter at Lambie Series GG. I mostly post uh, competitive content, insights into the meta game, a lot of Thanos decks. Um, <laughs> I also stream quite consistently on Lambie Series TV on Twitch. It's usually around 9 a.m. EST, I think, my streaming time, which is 9 p.m. for me in Singapore. So yeah, approximately about that. Most of my streaming content is currently uh, competitive-related stuff. Uh, you want to you watch me play competitions? You want me to talk about metagame? You want to hear me talk about Thanos? You want to hear me talk about how I snap here? Why you should snap here? Stuff like that. Yeah, that, that's re- mainly my content. So if you guys like competitive content, you guys like to watch like Good Marvel Snap or like read about Good Marvel Snap, check out my socials. So yeah, thank you so much for having me on this podcast, by the way. Yeah, it was great to have you. And for people listening, go help Lambi out if you if you if you can with that trip over to the UK because I will be yes, seeing him there it. as well. Fund it. Thirty five percent there, based on my bar that I'm looking at right now. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. Um, all right. So we had a review on the podcast this week. This is from author Quintadentally underscore. Uh, they said, I binged every episode of the podcast over the last week and have learned a ton. Cam Best is a great source of insights of, uh, for everything about Snap, strategy, the meta, community news. And Brendan is also one of the hosts. But in all seriousness, <laughs> great content and have definitely enjoyed listening. Well, thank you so you much. You can tell they binged it because that's a joke from like episode five. <laughs> Where I was like, I want every review to be like, KM Best is awesome and Brendan is there. Well, like that, that is exactly picture perfect. Takes the box. Um, if you're a listener of the podcast, you enjoy listening to us every week. The number one thing you can do to help us out is leave us a review. And you can do that at ratethispodcast.com slash snapshot or head over to Apple Podcasts in particular. There's a video version if you're listening to this on podcast platforms on YouTube at youtube.com slash at the underscore snapshot. We are on Twitter. I'm at Brendan APG. KM is at KM Best MS. And Lambie Series at Lambie Series GG. KM, your Twitch um schedule sir your, your twitch schedule what is it uh i stream on tuesdays wednesdays fridays saturdays and sundays i i do this awkward schedule because i have to actually go to an office sometimes which is in my opinion ridiculous and should be illegal <laughs> but the fact that i have to go to an office means that like i would be just like ending up just like absolutely bloodshot dead-eyed you know, I've actually been in this room for seven hours right now. This room right here, I've been sitting in this chair for seven hours. That's where I've been. Uh, so, you know, shout out to me for that. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> I'm really I'm really doing things with my life. But no, uh, so I stream. I, I have Mondays and Thursdays off is the effective thing. I stream high level competitive Marvel Snap on the weekends. I try to watch some tournaments. If any tournaments are streaming, I try to get some shine to the people who are doing well. I also have recently tried to like do some interviews with people, uh, just like bring people on, talk about a deck, explain a deck, which is obviously something I'd be interested in having you on 
Lambie, if you want to do some Thanos content with me. I know it's like kind of early in the morning for you, but I can go late one day. Just throwing that out there. Um, and yeah, okay. so, yeah, Sorry. you can catch me. You can catch me uh, Cam Best MS on Twitter. And I do want to encourage people to join the Discord. Uh, because like I said, like we talked about that Mastermind deck that came out of entirely of a Discord discussion. So it's really nice to just have a ton of players who are collaborative, willing to learn and not assholes. And that's sort of the community I'm trying to cultivate here. It's like, look, I'm Cam Best MS. You're listening to my podcast right now, right? Our podcast. Sorry. <laughs> really doing my best to prove that not assholes thing wrong. But like, no, you're listening to my podcast right now. My podcast, I own it. Um, and the the whole thing is like that that whole deck came out of like a suggestion a Discord user made. Like I it's a very open and collaborative community. Mm-hmm. Proud of that. By the time you listen to this, Kame will have contracted contracted Browde to set up the tournament list. So if you're looking to that figure is entirely out, po- it is entirely possible that I will forget. <laughs> yeah, so it might be there. If not, just head to Lambie's Discord. Yeah. Lambie, were you going to yeah. say okay, something? I want to add as well. Uh, yeah, Kim said uh, you're going to get me on your 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 broadcast to do the, the, the like a discussion thing. Yeah, sure. But we're going to do that after High Evo drops, guys. I mean, let me figure out that High Evo Thanos deck first that will potentially break the game, and then we will. Do the you really the think it's gonna hold on? I, I, I I've got five minutes for this. You really right. think it's gonna potentially break the game? Because I've been sketching out a lot of high Evo ish lists, right? And I okay. uh like I put the high Evo Thanos stuff together. There's the overlap on Wasp, the thing, uh, Abomination. All that stuff makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. You can even put more of them in there. Misty Knight Shocker is just like a good card. Like a lot of them go in there. But fundamentally, what you are is like kind of a mid-range deck. You're not doing anything too broken. You're just like playing a fair game of Marvel stuff. Like okay, so I specifically said um, the high evo Thanos deck because I agree with you to a certain extent. I don't think high evo will break the game like what I initially thought in like most yeah, scenarios. As a 4-4, but I, it's yeah, exactly. It's because it's a four-four. But in a Thanos deck, Thanos Lockjaw specifically, the Wasp is got like 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 the Wasp. Oh, the oh Wasp is unreal. It's got like yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, I'm with you. Like, simply because the like, Wasp when I started is got like with High Evo. Like what I realized was like right now Thanos is super high rolling. But like correct. the more of those cards that you fit in, the more you're playing Misty Knight and Shock. Like they're like they actually look pretty damn good. Like, especially if you are going to be playing off curve, because a lot of the times with Thanos lists, you do end up playing off curve. Yes. You even have if you need Greenstone to do it. So you run out of like top end stuff. Like the, what I could fit in was like Doom and Odin at the top end, which like makes a ton of sense, right? Because you want to keep Wave in here. You probably mm-hmm. want to keep Killmonger in there for this meta, at least. Maybe you could afford to drop Killmonger. But like we end up losing a lot of the top end and being a much more just like, I am playing a fair game of Marvel Snap, and sometimes I play stones into Lockjaw and get something good. And mm. that's like a little interesting to me because it's like I think it probably makes the deck better, but it does leave you super vulnerable to like imagine your opponent is playing that Patriot deck. They just go bigger than you know. Yeah, like they, their numbers so, are just bigger than yours. In my head, when I think of that Thanos high evolutionary deck it's not gonna be full on like high evo full package i just want very specifically at least these two cards i want the high evo on the wasp i want the 
Okay, the funny thing is I may not even want the bomb and the thing. I just want the walls because it's insane, right? The stat reduction. That there is that thinking, very small high evil package, and you accept that the high evil spawn is a low roll. Like currently, my high evil slot is the arrow, the shang, which I already don't like. Right, you literally right? just put high evil in there, and then like your wasp is like a little better. Yeah, it's a lot better. And and the yeah. things I don't like, yeah, I don't like the arrow, I don't like the shang anyway. So that is the minimal package. You want to lean really hard into it, into like a more mid-rangey style, like you said, you can go thing a bomb. But if we do that, we really might even consider not playing Lockjaw, which would make the wasp worse. Exactly. So I don't know, man. Yeah. exactly like this is the sort of tension right because like is is that enough like is the like i get the that we have that uh, that 12th spot right but like yes. if we just make our wasp better how much better is that making the deck hmm. like true. i don't i don't think it's like i think it does make the deck better i just like i don't know how much it actually moves that needle yeah, the, the funny thing is doing, all this discussion like, abominations that overlap with soulstone is really interesting yeah, yeah like this discussion we've been having for the last five minutes is because it's no longer a four seven right like honestly oh god if this thing was a four seven you'd <laughs> just be like playing it in the zabu mid-range shell it would be exactly ridiculous. dude like if this was a four seven i think this last part would never be in the video anyway no we wouldn't <laughs> so have anything like, to talk about because like if this thing was a four seven you'd play it in the zabu mid-range shell with like thing you'd like play a bomb wave on turn five and everyone would die like you yeah. curve thing into a bomb wave and like to be clear i think that's still probably actually really good like imagine curving the thing into abomination plus wave like you get your abomination to cost two which it will cost if after you play the thing like that's something like mm -hmm. that that is like i think the strongest thing this deck could possibly do was like, possibly supposed to do yeah was possibly supposed yeah to do. Like now it's the four like, fourths of it yeah like, that's the kind of thing this deck was supposed to be doing, is, like, playing yeah. the thing into Abomination plus Wave and just ruining people. Especially with mm -hmm. current Wave. Like, I think that's the place that High Evo is most likely to end up, is Agreed. that specific combination of cards, that specific curve, thing into Abomination Wave. Like, how how are you ever going to be behind when you Wave, when you start doing shit like that? That's true. Like, For what it's worth, I feel like the Wasp should still be okay i was thinking about this as you were thinking i think we should just play wasp the wasp is too good it's like zero cost no we still play one, the wasp absolutely oh, yeah zero cost one power list? reduce two things it's like yes it's kind of no, strong she's great. dude that's another yeah. great card to play with your wave right like that's the thing right? yeah, <laughs> like exactly. you, that's it's another cheap. phenomenal you go like you go like thing into abomination wasp wave just broken cheap, you're never behind like you're never yeah. behind from there you play like a dr doom or a chavez and it's like okay that's really good right like that's where i think high evo makes the most sense is that specific curve of thing into abomination pairing it with waves so that you're very ahead uh another another card the card i think is the most interesting out of high evo actually and you're gonna you're gonna be weird about this one i think I think oh. Cyclops is the most interesting. Out of so what does Cyclops even do? That's the one I can't remember. Cyclops is the one do? where if you end a turn with unspent energy, he does the minus thing to two units at the location. So it's um, is it ongoing? No, right? It's just no. It's just like an ability. Okay, that's actually quite strong if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, like, if you get like, it that's out like early a really, enough. really, really strong card. No, but it's very interesting because if you're gonna go that route, you have to naturally want to build your deck off curve. You know, like like on turn four, you want to spend three. On turn five, you want to spend four. Like, like you want to have that kind of. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like you, you wanna like intentionally build a deck that yeah. plays like like one cost on two, two cost on three, three cost on four. That that, that kind of thing. That it's In, quite like, interesting. I think spot, I think something right. Like yeah, it's, something it's that a explore. really. It's a really interesting, like Cyclops is, I think, the most interesting card, right? The one that true, I have actually, the, the least more you think idea about it, true. 
It's quite the one that I have the least idea about what I'm supposed to do with it, or I get what I'm supposed to do with it, but the least idea if it's going to be good, because if it is good, that's unbelievable. Like if Cyclops is good enough that I can go like, OK, I play Cyclops and then I play Moon Girl and then I pass and the Cyclops makes my abominations cheaper and I'd already played like a scorpion or whatever. And so I'm playing like uh, she hulks and abominations. That's my last turn. That seems pretty plausible to me. Oh shit, Scorpion works with high evil, right? Like the It should. The Obviously, I don't know, but like it should. Wait, but work if Scorpion works, it's them insane. You play Scorpion and then your high your your a bomb is free, dude. Like we yes. know it has to be the, the cards have to be on the It has to be in play. Yeah, it has yeah, to be in like play. Still... So like it's a little bit more balanced than that, right? Like it's not like it gets discounted for every minus. It gets yeah. discounted for every card with a minus. Yes. So it's not like if you hit oh, something Scorpion with Scorpion and then you also hit it with the Wasp thing, it still only counts as a minus one. Yeah, on it's every separate card, correct? Yeah. So maybe the way to beat high evil stuff is go tall, don't go white, which is, is, is that's interesting. That's exactly it's what, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, if you, the more high evil it. stuff you play, the more you lean into being high evil, the more of a mid range deck you are. And then you run up against the Patriot deck and you're just like, oh, there's like 40 power in everything. And mm. I'm playing like minus ones. Like, I'm putting, like, I'm giving the, I'm playing, like, a thing that gives things minus once. Yeah. It's like, I think, oh. I think that, that card needs, High Evil probably needs, like, quite a few days to, for us to cook, for us to, like, figure out where it's gonna land. Because, like, High Evil's gonna, like, come out, like, we're gonna come out with, like, a High Evil, like, good meta build, and then people are gonna come out with the High Evil counters, and High Evil then needs to change again, you know, so, like... It's going to take a while, right. but I feel like I'm quite excited know. for the card because it opens up deck building for me that has not been seen since Thanos. Thanos, to this day, is still the deck that like has the most deck building possibilities, I feel. So High Evo, I think, is like the next potential. It, it probably will never be like Thanos, not as flexible, but it will give me some more room to explore. Right, it mm. took like two months for us to get Thanos, right? <laughs> yeah. It yeah. took an extensive period of time for us to get Thanos, right? And like that, 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 Pattern I hope doesn't hold true for Haivo because I, I don't think it'll take that like long for Haivo. It. It's not. I that think Haivo is a little more straightforward, right? Yes, yes, definitely. But like, like, like the, specifically the like thing into Abomination Wave is just like, oh, that seems it's really, insane. really powerful. <laughs> like, yeah. But like thing, thing is like a four nine that lets you play a two nine with your wave is quite, quite powerful. I think optimizing the wave turn in these decks. Because, like, one thing you notice about the Zabu lists is their wave turns are really sucky. Yeah, it's really shit, man. You gotta pair with, like, a good two-cost, which yeah. is, like, nothing, Jeff. And there are no <laughs> good two-costs. They're all fucking terrible. So, like, actually Jeff. having something that's, like, nine power to go with your wave is, like, a really big game. That's, that's a big game to me. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. that's a sincerely important thing. Their high roll is Miles Morales with the wave, right? Like, that's... that's yeah, like it's, like, it's so fucking bad, man. I mean, it's it's, so it's decent, right? Three plus three power plus five power, but like it has to be that scenario. If not, it's like quite mid, yeah. right? And like one of yeah. yeah, like that's one of the things where it's like, man, they're they're like high evo. If that was a four seven, it would just go exactly, in that deck and it would be exactly. instantly better Dude, than everything. Like people, people now say good things about like like Zabu into rocks. Like imagine Zabu into four seven high evo is crazy, man. It's like Maximus, <laughs> no downside, man. So Maximus, no downside. Oh my yeah, god! So, yeah, so like, insane. like, like, especially like, it's a good nerf. Put it that way, because mm, that yeah. that would have just been like a really annoying first day of uh, just just people playing high Evo wave mid range, and I'm not convinced it won't end up being that. Mm. 
Awesome. Well, right. well, once again, I just want to say thank you for having me on this podcast. I really enjoyed myself, like legit enjoyed myself. Yeah, it was great to have you on. I appreciate you letting us peer into the mind of the Thanos master. Um, yeah. Is this our longest episode of all time? No, I think that Jerry Thompson cooked way past this one. <laughs> <laughs> this is a two-hour episode, Brendan. <laughs> Yeah, I think Jerry was over that. Um, Anyway, thank you all so much for listening. Once I've sat through it all, we will see you next week. Bye.